Hello and welcome to WGTC Radio, the official podcast of entertainment website We Got This Covered. I'm Jonathan Lack. And I'm Sean Chapman. And we are here to talk about The Dark Knight Rises. Bashara, bashara, deshe, deshe. I've never been able to figure out the words. I'm glad that's, that's... I looked it up online. Okay, you, okay, there yeah. you go. I don't even know if that's like an actual thing in any language. I, I did read about it somewhere. Maybe... I've got this magazine over here. I, I'm not going to look it up right now. But I think it is a real... Uh, it, I think it says it's he rises is the actual phrase that it translates out to. So, hmm. in whatever language, it's like some southern... I don't know if it's southern American or southern European... It's like, whatever it is, I don't think it's from... That's one of the things with the movie is it's like, I have no idea where that pit was, and like all like sort of the, geo- the geography and like the, the ethnicities of all the different characters. It's really confusing, ever okay. since they made Ra's al Ghul Irish. I've always been yeah. confused about those characters. Ever since they fucking mispronounced Ra's al Ghul, which yeah. still bothers me, but yeah. oh well. Anyway, um, okay, so we, we are... started off on a tangent. How is that even possible? Well, Sean, it's us. <laughs> yeah. We are here to talk about The Dark Knight Rises today. Um, you know, the movie's been out for a couple days, so hopefully you all have seen it. This is our in-depth spoiler cast on the movie. If you've listened to our uh, really big angry rant about Prometheus or our Sean's ambivalent, my sort of positive rant on Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man. Or any of those other movies. You know, we've done this before. We did it for Avengers on a former podcast. So we're just going to dissect the movie however we can, talk about it, just have sort of a discussion of our thoughts on the movie. We haven't really talked about it that much, so we've got a lot to talk about. Yes. And seriously, super mega awesome spoilers. Abandon hope, all ye who enter. If you haven't seen the movie, stop. I think we should just say... I recommend the movie, Jonathan. I recommend the movie. I think it's one of the yes. year's best. So definitely go see the movie if you haven't yet, and then come back to the podcast. Because, man, it is crazy when Gordon shoots Batman in the face at the end. I did not expect that. Yep, and then and then when Nightwing shows up, but Nightwing, Nightwing's a woman in this one, and then he, he marries Rachel Ghoul. That twist, crazy. Oh, my God. It's, it's even bigger than the also, spinning Also, every top. single character was clay-faced the entire time. <laughs> Throughout all three movies. Wouldn't that be funny if Christopher Nolan just went full on comic book at the end? <laughs> yeah, it's just like right at the end. It's just Clayface is like, wow. Okay. Well, that's actually one of the places I would actually start my discussion of the movie is did Clayface? this. Clayface? No, no, no. With, with the comic book element, did this movie feel more overtly comic book to you than the others? It did to me. Uh, yeah, it did definitely. I mean, because of Catwoman, I felt yeah. like kind of automatically made it more comic booky than and I liked too. that yeah I, I liked it too I think they've I mean that. I think I think it ultimately I liked it because I'm a comic book nerd but I do think it ultimately hurt the film in my opinion that like I think I kind of think it kind of ruined part of the tone okay but I mean it's like when you saw when I saw Catman Catwoman and Batman walking down the street together it did like hit that little like oh yeah in the back of my head that's like that's I, really cool I just thought they did Catwoman perfect in this and and I like that, I mean, they made her costume more obviously functional for a real-world setting, mm-hmm. but they did not shy away from the comic book aspects of her character, or from, from some of the Bane stuff, too. I mean, they obviously didn't do the full-on, he's got tubes coming out everywhere, but he's still a giant, hulking monstrosity with yeah. a crazy mask and a voice that is just terrible. Sounds like Sean Connery. Yeah. Okay, but let's back up. Overall thoughts on the movie. I loved it. I've seen it twice now, and I definitely, I did have to see it a second time for me to say... Did I really think it was a great movie or just a really, really good one? And I ultimately came down on I think it's a great movie. I do not think it's as good as The Dark Knight. I do think it's a significant step up over Batman Begins, which had definitely sort of a lack of compelling villains, and and sort of the second half of Batman Begins isn't as strong as the first, where I think Dark Knight Rises, I liked it throughout, and I think it builds to a 
pretty incredible conclusion, especially just in terms of how much Christopher Nolan does scale-wise without CGI. I really love that. I love his commitment to practical effects and those sorts of things. But I think it was a really good ending to the trilogy, and I think that's one of the reasons I loved it so much, is it's so rare in Hollywood these days to see filmmakers come in and say, all right, this is our last movie, we're going to end the series, let's put you know everything we want to do in here and just end our story on our terms. And I think... Christopher Nolan made absolute full use of sort of the potential of having a final film to, to end this story. And that's very different, I think, than what we've seen in superhero films before. So, um, really good stuff there. I really loved the movie. Sean, what was your opinion? Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's a really good movie. Obviously, I, I recommended it. I think, I thought The Dark Knight, even though I have more problems with it than most people, I still think it's a really great movie. And I thought this one was around the level of Batman Begins, maybe a little bit worse than Batman Begins, just because I felt the first half of Batman Begins was really, really good. Oh, it's great, yeah. And the second half of Batman Begins, obviously, isn't that good. And for me, Dark Knight Rises has some really great moments, but I never felt like the whole movie... There was never, like, a big section of the movie that I thought, this is like, this is really, really good. Like, not like Batman Begins, where the first half is like, this is, like, the best Bruce Wayne like origin stuff you could possibly do is how they did Batman right. Begins. With this I thought this like there are some really great moments, but they there were a lot of flaws with the movie that I find kind of hard to overlook, but it's still really, really well done. I mean yeah. it's Christopher Nolan Batman movie. It's it's still it's still like I don't I'm not as positive on it as most people, but it still is a significant mark higher than almost any other movie that comes out nowadays. Right. And I actually think that's an interesting place to start the discussion is, with Batman Begins, we both agree, the first half of that, and all the Bruce Wayne origin stuff and the psychology behind it, they nailed and they did really interestingly. Yeah. And Christian Bale, I think, was fantastic through that material and everything. And one of the things I do like about The Dark Knight Rises, though, is that they bring it back around to that. With Yeah, it's much his... more a sequel to Batman Begins than it is The Dark Knight. Yeah. I mean, it kind of I mean, takes where The Dark Knight left off, but all the stuff that happens in the movie calls back to, like, the themes and the yeah. characters of Batman. Begins. Well, you have to do that in your final yeah. movie, and and I really liked that. that it's, and it's not just the plot stuff, that, yes, the League of Shadows is in it again, it's more what Bruce Wayne is going through and saying... Yeah, I mean... I it's... think Batman Begins was all about the question, what would it take for a, a real human being, what kind of psychological trauma would he have to undergo to become Batman? And that was what Batman Begins was. And this was about, what psychological trauma would it be to actually have lived as Batman? And sort of taking that. And that's obviously something that I think is is different from most interpretations of Batman, where mm-hmm. he's able to live with it easier, but because this well, opera... No, I, don't, I don't think well, that's true at all. I mean, if you, right. if you take the standpoint of there's been a few Batman stories that take place, like, kind of after he's been Batman and he's taking some time off, and those yeah. are tend to be actually a lot darker and harder right. on Bruce Wayne than this is. Yeah. Even though Bruce Wayne's not in a good place at the beginning of the movie. No, and I, I mean... And I guess I'm thinking more animated series kind of thing where you have these long-running continuities where he can, he can kind of... Well, have you ever seen today. Batman Beyond? No. Is no, that... you should... Okay. Because, because Batman Beyond has an old, battered Bruce Wayne as okay. one of the main characters. Well, but did, did you like that they did that in this movie and started examining that? Uh, kind of. I think, to me, this section... And this is... I've only seen it once, and I want to see it again from more, uh, like, from more an analytical point of view because I think these movies do kind of warrant that. But... My first impression out of coming off of this movie is that it kind of retread a lot of the gra- same ground thematically that Batman Begins did. Because to me, Batman Begins, especially the first half, is about grief and overcoming grief. And that's why Bruce Wayne goes to Batman. And that's why yeah. that's him 
sort of overcoming the grief of his parents and finding a purpose in his life. And The Dark Knight Rises is about Bruce Wayne, who has, like, left Batman behind and left his entire life behind, finding a reason to live. Like, that's very much Bruce Wayne's arc, is, like, he needs to find a reason to live. And that's really, really similar to what he, the, what the Batman Begins stuff does to me. I think to a degree, but I think part of that is about the idea of coming full circle, and then there's, I think there's a lot more uh, bigger ideas here in terms of finality about he is sort of retracing those steps and refining himself, but he's also trying to find a way to live in, in a more permanent capacity because whatever yeah, because, because is, him becoming Batman was... I think this movie kind of says that him becoming Batman was not a good thing for him. Like, that's not what right. he should have done. Well, and I think part of what it's saying is that you know, there's this theme throughout the franchise. I wrote this big article about it. You can read on We Got This Covered about the power of symbols to inspire. And that's kind of the thesis of Batman Begins, of how he's going to change the world, is he's going to make Batman something bigger than himself. But Batman, I think, at this point is so much bigger than him, especially by the end of the movie, that he, that there's this theme that individuals cannot endure what the symbol can. And so there's this idea of passing the torch at the end of Dark Knight Rises and how he's inspired younger generations and maybe Gotham itself and that he will have to walk away from Batman because while individuals cannot endure in that kind of setting, the symbol can, and it will live on. And that's where, why I like where they ended the movie. Where he just, he just fucks over Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's, like, it's like, I can't handle being Batman anymore. You do it now. <laughs> it's like, so, so in like two more movies, you will be like, oh, I'm all battered and broken. My, my knee sucks. Yeah. Well, I, you you'll know, have to do it to some other poor like 20-something. But there's a lot of, right, but there's a lot of thematic connections here to a lot of the material in Dark Knight, where I, I kept thinking back to the dinner conversation between Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne, where they're talking about the, you know, Roman soldiers who would protect the city, mm -hmm. and that's sort of what, what the Batman legacy is at this point, and sort of the theme that I think, or the, the line in The Dark Knight that is sort of the key line, the, you either live... Uh, you either die a hero or live long, long enough, enough to, to see yourself become the villain. That's almost more applicable to this movie than it is to The Dark Knight, I think. Because, you know, there's an element here of that Bruce Wayne has done so much good in the world as Batman, but at the same time, by sort of allowing his soul to decay over the amount of pain and grief he's taken on in himself, and he's pulled others sort of into that orbit with him, that he's maybe sort of contributed to some of the issues that are going on in Gotham too, and he needs to find even, a way to rise the, above that. Like, one of the things that kind of was weird about this movie is how the movie starts, where it kind of says that Gotham's fixed now, in a way, where it's like they have, like, the Dent Act thing. Well, I think and like, like, I don't think it's fixed, they just say they've wiped out organized crime for now. Which is kind of, I mean, I've got to say this, like, but it seems like, how, like, how do you do that with Gotham? Because it's like right. Gotham... As as the city, like kind of half the point of it is that it's so crime infested and so corrupt yeah. that there's no even though you have Batman and whatever like sidekicks he's taking along with him this time, like working at the problem twenty four seven that nobody's ever able to fix it because it's like, it's a it's a non solvable problem and it's like you have to do what you can but you never really fix it, and it's kind of weird I, how this movie starts with, it's like, eh, Gotham's actually, it's pretty fine without Batman. Well, but I think they're everything's, saying... Everything's alright here. But I think they're saying that, but I think the truth is Gotham is not alright, and there are deeper issues going on, and it's certainly the fact that they cleaned up the city is predicated on a massive lie is Which an I don't issue that... I mean, I don't think that's a... I don't, I, don't, I don't really see... I don't take much issue with that. Yeah. It's like, that they used Harvey Dent as a symbol to, right. to, to help eradicate crime. It's like... That's fine. I mean, what Batman was doing was completely illegal anyways. So it's right. like, there's no... I don't see... I don't really see a big problem with demonizing Batman and then making... Yeah. 
Harvey Dent a, a symbol. Like, it's like but I, can't, I don't, I don't, I can't. I'm like that might just be me personally, but I don't take any okay. sort of like ethic, ethical issue with that almost at all. Well, no, and I get that, but I do see where Commissioner Gordon could have difficulty living. Well, yeah, with I mean, that he, yeah, he, years. I, I can see that for him, but it's like obviously you coming out with Harvey. Oh, by the way, Harvey Dent murdered like eight people and tried to kill my my child. And Batman's actually a really nice guy sometimes. It's like him coming out with that wouldn't help anything. So it's yeah. like, so like the status quo at the beginning of the movie well, he's is more or less fine. Well, right, but Gordon, I mean, at the same time, Gordon recognizes that he doesn't give any yeah. temptation to give the speech and everything. So Bane can do it later, but it's uh, no, and I think these issues are interesting to talk through, and I think it, I think it shows that sort of where we come from with the movie and to with the movie is it can be different depending on where you're viewing it from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I do like where I think they take Bruce Wayne in this movie, and I really do like the material in the the pit that he's in, in the second act, and sort of where you have to get Bruce Wayne to his lowest of low points. Everything stripped from him, no Alfred, no Batman, no body even at, for parts of it. Well, he has a body, but it's broken and mm-hmm. battered. And just sort of, they have this sort of symbolic journey there where he has to fix his body, but in truth he's just sort of fixing his spirit. And, it, and that's what you know the title is about. It's not about rising above evil, it's about rising above one's inner darkness. And if he can do that on a personal level, maybe he can inspire Gotham to do it on a more social level once again that just like that just sounds like batman begins to me like okay. that's that's part of my problem with like bruce wayne's arc through this movie it seems so similar to what he does in batman begins it's like it's it it's slightly different because he's older and there's like a slightly different context around it but it still feels thematically really really similar to batman begins i guess so but the thing about batman begins is you know alfred keeps warning him you know i want to help you with batman but you can't let bruce wayne go by the wayside. You can't let your own spirit die just to be Batman. And that's the problem he has in Batman Begins, that he doesn't overcome, and that's what's, and that catches up to him in this movie. And it's about finding a synthesis between these multiple personalities he has. Well, I wouldn't say a synthesis, because it doesn't really do that. Yeah. But anyways, we should, we should start with a more structured approach now, because we okay. kind of... Um, do we want to talk about sort of character-based, or just where the story starts and goes, and... I say let's let's tackle it by characters and we okay. can kind of do story while yeah. we do that. We already talked about Bruce Wayne Batman. I will say I think Christian Bale knocked it out of the park this time. I'm still I, not a huge. It's like I think Christian Bale's a really good actor, but he's not the right Batman to me. Like still, like the voice is still just really. I, I really hate his Batman voice. Okay, it's like it doesn't bother me. But there's nothing you can do about it at this point. Is it's like it was. He didn't do it as much in Batman Begins. Like it seemed like really toned down. In Batman. I actually Begins. really liked the voice in Batman Begins because it's not growly. It's just deeper. Yeah, it's and... not. It's not. I mean, it is kind of still growly. I don't right. love it, but it's better than yeah. Dark Knight. It's just like this is completely ridiculous. You can't possibly be doing this. And then Dark Knight Rises. It feels toned down a little bit. Yeah, but it still is. I, I think it's still ter- a terrible okay. voice for Batman. It's the... just really ridiculous to me. I don't mind the voice as much as I don't understand the logic behind when he uses it sometimes like when he tells there's a great moment at the end when he says to gordon you know you let me know the world wasn't over when you put that coat around my shoulder why does he do that with the voice yeah i know it's like that's the thing is like he always like when he has the batman like the cape and cowl on he always does the fucking voice it's like even when he's just like kind of chatting with catwoman it's like Catwoman hey, knows who he is. What? Selena. It's like, what? The, why do you keep on doing that fucking voice? It sounds or, terrible. Or the best one. There's a there's a funny moment though when Catwoman walks away and he says, "So that's what it feels like." But he doesn't do it as Bruce Wayne. He does it as Batman voice, and yeah. it's that's weird because he's talking to himself. Yeah. So it's like, just why do you keep on doing that that 
that fucking voice. It's really, it's really distracting okay. to me. I really don't like it. Well, I, I, I think I mean more when I'm talking about Christian Bale uh, because there's relatively little Batman scenes in this this movie. I'm just talking about his, you know, Bruce Wayne performance. I think, especially in the Pit material, where I mean, he's mostly doing silent emoting and stuff in that section. I just think. He, he has evolved as an actor over the trilogy, and I, I think if you look back at where he was as an actor, and, and he's very good in Batman Begins, he's wonderful, but I just think he's given a lot to do here, and I, I really liked what he did. It's like, I mean, I think, I think Christian Bale's a really great actor, and I think this just is more my issue with kind of how they do the characters and stuff. It's just like their version of Bruce Wayne, other than Batman Begins, where he's just Bruce Wayne and he hasn't kind of gone through all the shit yet to become Batman... It's just he doesn't feel like Bruce Wayne to me at all. It's okay. not like the Marvel movies where it's like Robert Downey Jr. is like, oh, that's, that's Tony Stark Iron Man. It's just like Chris Evans. It's that Steve Rogers in Captain America. No, and I get that, but I also think Christopher Nolan has never made any bones about he's doing a much more interpretive approach, and it's different, and I think within the context of the films itself, I think it all works fine. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, but it's like, it's too hard for me to just like only take the movies in context okay. of themselves because I'm such a big Batman fan, especially oh, no, the series and the comic books. It's like it's so hard because they're, they're. I feel their interpretation of Bruce Wayne is and Batman is very, very different, and not a lot of people point that out. But it's oh, like it it's is. Very, and I will... It's so different. It's just like really hard for me to just like divorce myself from that because yeah. he is playing Bruce Wayne, Batman. Yeah. But I mean, even then, I think you know I, I've read a lot of Batman graphic novels, and just in the comics, there's every writer who's ever done Batman does them differently. Yeah, and... but there's still there's this core. I mean, yeah. it's it's the thing that this, these movies do by completely dejecting themselves from, like, the comic book reality, that they lose a really important core to the character to me by okay. doing that. And I know a lot of people think that makes the movies really, really good, but to me, I find it really distracting as Batman movies. Well, I guess... Where they're good, like, sort of crime thriller movies, but they still... They leave something behind to me that I think is a really important part of the character. No, and I, I completely understand that, and I think... Personally, it's easier for me to separate that, where I love every Batman comic I've ever read. I love the animated series to death. That will always be my definitive take on the character. Um, but I, I guess I can just separate that, where I can just view these movies as movies, and I love them, while recognizing that if I'm just looking for an actual Batman story, the, the best Batman movie, just in terms of Batman, is Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, I mean, you can't... It'll always be Mask of the Phantasm. Like, it's really hard to beat but, that. But at the same time, I would personally say The Dark Knight is a better film yeah, it's like, I agree with that, but it's like, yeah. you are adapting Batman, so right. it's like... So I, I find more, I personally find way more value in Mask of the Phantasm. Like, I'd rather watch Mask of the Phantasm than The Dark Knight, even though I can say The Dark Knight's objectively a better movie. Yeah. It's like, Mask of the Phantasm's a way better Batman movie, yeah. and I like Batman. Okay. No, I get that, and honestly, I, I, I hope people listening know what Mask of the Phantasm is, and if you don't, we should do a podcast on that movie sometime. It's, it's, it's a really good animated feature. <laughs> and and it, it's so sad that it never got the attention it deserved, because it, it came out in the middle of the sort of 90s series, and it's it's so much better than anything in that. Uh, the Tim Burton ones that are good, and the Joel Schumacher ones that are bad, it's just, uh, it's above those. Yeah, it's and it's it's just a really, really good Batman yeah. story. Right. Um, but anyway, we're getting a little off topic here. So, so that's Bruce Wayne, Batman, Christian Bale, um, the big villain in this movie. It's like, I'll just say, if you like Christian Bale in the other movies, if you find that version of Batman really good, I think this is probably the best he's done it. Like, yeah. I still, I agree with you, I feel he has grown. Yeah. And, well, I think it's interesting, too, in The Dark Knight, I just watched, I rewatched them, the first two right before seeing Dark Knight Rises, and 
there are almost no scenes in The Dark Knight of him out of the costume. He is in Batman costume yeah, for, for almost the whole movie. movie yeah. And actually, that's a choice I like in The Dark Knight, because it's really because it's about, it's the middle chapter, he's fully ingrained in that role at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like pulling it back at this point, and... And sort of, you know, bringing it back to Bruce Wayne. Because there, there is very little Batman in costume in this movie. And a lot of and I, I've seen a lot of people online taking issue with that, but I think it's fine. No, I think that's it's fine, like, too, because, I mean, even... There's a lot of Batman stories where that happens, especially when they are taking uh, inspiration from Nightfall, where it's the same idea. He's not Batman in the middle of that story. Because no, but, I mean, he's Batman for most of the story. Because yeah. he's out dealing with, like, villains and stuff. Right. But, I mean, in just terms of the general Bane versus Batman structure... Yeah, doing, obviously, mean, obviously like all like the, the Night's Quest Knights and stuff, right. he's mostly not Batman. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so that doesn't bother me, especially because I think they did such a good job of making the moments where he does suit up matter. Like, they are really good scenes to me. I think, like, like when he returns, I just, it, it, both times, theater bursts into applause. It's, like, it's awesome. And Hans Zimmer's score in the background, just really cool moments. Mm-hmm. I think so. the first time he showed up back in costume was kind of lackluster to me. Like, oh, I okay. felt like it's like, because it was like, it kind of felt like it was, they were supposed to... like the, It almost kind of felt like the first time he was, should have been in costume is almost like after he gets out of the pit. Like, that's like, now I'm Batman again. Okay. Where it felt like at the beginning of the movie, he didn't really go through something where it's like, I'm Batman again! Rawr! It's like, I, I think I'm going to be Batman again. It's like, okay, okay sir. Well, I, and I, think it's, I think it's more that he's, you know, he cannot figure out how to live as a human, and in, he cannot rediscover humanity after things he's gone through, and so at this point in his life, he's just decided he's going to turn back and go even further, sort of away from humanity by being Batman, and it's a mistake that gets his back broken. So, so let's talk about that, though. Let's talk okay. about Bane and how the two Bane. characters interact. Tom Hardy, fucking incredible... Mad kudos to the guy for getting his body as big as it is in this it's, movie. It's just completely insane. He is like I. It's just like I. I don't know if I like a lot of people are obviously comparing him to the Joker because he's that's stupid Joker to was, do. I think, but I mean, it's like it's it's inevitable because right. they're, they're villains. They're like two really great villains in the same franchise, and it's like. I kind of maybe like Bane more. Like I can't tell okay. because I take kind of take issue with his voice, but a lot of people were. For a lot of people thought that the Joker was scary in The Dark Knight, and I don't. A lot of people find stuff scary that I don't understand. But like, and there's like only one scene where I thought the Joker was scary in The Dark Knight, where he has like the videotape and he's like torturing like the one dude dressed okay. up as Batman. It's like that's a scary fucking scene. For the most part, I didn't find the Joker's character particularly scary because I don't find the idea of chaos like he was talking about particularly scary. But it's like Bane's like sort of like super fascist like I am going to impose order on you and you can't do anything about it because I'm a wall of muscle that will crush you if you oppose me that's scary like I found Bane very yes. intimidating me too and it's like or it's like with Joker it's like I might be able to get lucky and beat the fuck out of the Joker well, like I might be able to beat that guy up that's like, Bane there's Bane is going to kick your Fucking ass. Well, and that's the point, and that's what's really interesting about Bane is that most Batman villains are not physical opponents. Yeah, because Batman is is a ninja. You know, he you can't fight him. Yeah, Batman but, will also fuck you up. Right, and the Joker is the Joker, and and in the Dark Knight they don't try to do it. He's not physical. He's he's a very mental kind of villain, literally mental because um, mm-hmm. he's insane. And I did find the Joker scary, but I actually do agree with you. I think Bane is scarier because there is no stopping this guy. Yeah, how are you going to do it? And and again, the wall of muscle, but also the intellect and the the like, just the sheer force of will 
to mm-hmm. him. The confidence is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Like, there's the great scene where he's talking to Daggett, and he, and Daggett says, I'm in control, and he just puts the hand yeah. on the shoulder. What makes you feel in control? You feel like you're in control. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. And and the amount... That I, I will say this. I don't... I'm a little uncomfortable that this movie is rated PG-13 and that kids can see it, because Bane is a violent motherfucker, and... I don't necessarily think it should be rated R, but I do think theaters should be enforcing the PG-13. Because it does disturb me when I'm like watching the Bane-Batman fight, and there's like a little kid. <laughs> there, there was a little kid right behind me in our screening, too. Do you get what I mean there? It's just like... Yeah, I kind of, like sometimes it kind of just makes me... Bane is so much more violent than the other villains in this series. Um, although it's like I, although it's like if you were a little kid, I think like the Joker stuff would be a bit more, especially that that the, the scene with like the video camera in the yeah. Dark Knight. That's that's a pretty fucked up scene. Or actually, the one that always gets me in terms of kids is the end with Two Face holding a gun to Harvey's son and threatening. I mean, that's as dark as you can get in that context. You yeah. know. Although I did, I do have to say with the Dark Knight Rises, it's like I could really feel that it was a PG thirteen movie, especially in kind of the climax, because I felt there were a lot of moments in the action where they cut away from something too early, yeah, I gotcha. and it kind of got a little distracting to me, where it's like, usually, I don't find that a big deal, but it's like, when I start noticing it, that it's like, they very clearly edited this, to try to, because it's like, they, it probably was a little bit over, and the MPAA told them to like, dial right. it back a bit, yeah. it's like, when I can notice that, it does really kind of take me out of the movie. And it's not the filmmaker's fault or anything. Yeah, it's just it's, like, it's just something to note that it's like, just kind yeah. of was really distracting to me. Anyway, back to Bane, so again... Hey. We cannot believe how Tom Hardy got his body in shape for this, because you've seen him in Inception, and that's where yeah. most people are familiar, and he's he's a, not a small guy or anything, yeah, but... Yeah, it's like, he's he's fit, but it's not. He's not, uh, he's not Hulk Hogan. Like, he's yeah. not this huge, like, wrestler dude. And it's just, it's so amazing, because he's, he's unrecognizable in every way, where when they do the flashback and they show his face for the first time near the end of the movie in the pit, you cannot connect that to Bane. Mm-hmm. It's just difficult, you know? Um... But yeah, just just a amazing physicality to it. But then I also really, really love the voice. I just think it's so unexpected, and to me, that's what's so unsettling about it is that his face, his eyes are dead. They're dead set. They're confident. They're concentrated. He doesn't emote there, but with his voice, it can be all over the place, and it's that's what scares me about it, and and really unsettles. And I it's like it's, to me, I don't. It's like I still don't know if I like the voice or not. I mean, I really didn't. When it first, like, the first scene of the movie where they're on the okay. plane and Bane first started talking, it's like, I was like, oh, he sounds like Sean Connery. Why the fuck does Bane sound like Sean Connery? And it took me a while to get used to the voice, and I still can't tell whether I think it's really awesome, like, stupid. I still don't think it should be the voice that they use, but it's kind of awesome in a weird way. Or if it's just terrible, and I should be just making fun of it the entire movie, like The Dark Knight, or like with Christian Bale's Batman voice. Okay. It's like, it's straddling a really bizarre line to me. Yeah. But... Maybe something... that's the power of it? Is... But then there's also there's also something where it's like, it's really weird how... I don't, I don't know if this was intentional, or if this was because of the whole thing where it's like, people couldn't understand his voice. And I still couldn't understand when he was like, speaking big sentences. It was really easy to lose track of what he was saying, so it was still kind of annoying. And I actually want to say something about that. Is yeah. I've seen it twice in two separate IMAX theaters, and the first time I saw it, I agree there were parts where I had trouble hearing it, and the second time I heard it, the mix was like they had it calibrated better, and I I understood every word. It was clear as a bell. And Thomas, who knows my brother Thomas, who knows more about audio and stuff than me, he explained that what it what he thinks it was is bass frequencies. Is if you're if the theater has the subwoofer frequency, like if it's too high up the subwoofer, 
Bane's like muffled part is going through that and it's overpowering the voice. But if it's at the proper mix level, they've mixed it right and you can hear it. It's just that a lot of theaters don't mix. They they boost up the subwoofer too much or something. And I know you probably saw it at the Colorado Mills. Yeah. Yeah, they boost up. I, I know, just know they do that at that theater. Yeah. So it's and like maybe that, yeah, that might have been a problem with the set of the theater. But then there was another thing where... I, and once again, I don't know if this is intentional. I didn't particularly like it, but Bane's voice felt super dubbed. Like it never felt like Bane's voice was coming from okay. like the scene to me. It wasn't like you know, like with Darth Vader in Star Wars. It's like that feels like James Earl Jones' voice is coming from that character on the screen. Where it's like with Dark Knight Rises and Bane, it felt to me like it never like his voice was so much louder and just so much more bombastic and it never felt like it was coming from like one particular like side it was just like it just like felt like this is just sounds like a dubbed voice yeah like and it I feels mean, like i'm watching like a martial arts kung fu movie I mean, like the, that quality of dubbing the the thing though about that is that i kind of agree there are spots where i do feel it sounds dubbed but as I understand it, they did as little ADR on the character as they could. They did most of it on set, day of, and they just the mask was made to do that to his voice. And I don't know how that works, but it's just sort of an interesting thing where it's not dubbed for the most part. I, as I mean, it, it, but it sound it definitely. Yeah. I don't know like what they did with the mix or whatever, but it's like it yeah. definitely did never. It never sounded to me like Bane. It's like I could kind of adjust for that and get used to it, but it's like. I could very easily see someone watching this movie and just being like, Bane sounds like Sean Connery, this is really stupid, it doesn't even sound like okay. the voice is coming from this movie, so it's like, I can definitely see how that would really take someone out of the movie, and it took me a good 30 minutes for me to just kind of get used to Bane okay. sounding like that. And I loved Bane's voice right from the beginning, I think the opening sequence is really good, and um, yeah, the, the opening IMAX. sequence definitely did, it felt really hammy and over the top, really? I don't know what it was like, the opening sequence really... Didn't do anything for me. Okay. Like, especially, I, I don't even, because part of it is that, like, I don't necessarily like having scenes at the beginning of the movie that are actually really important to, like, the overall plot, but you have no context for that scene. And that's just kind of a storytelling thing that I don't particularly like that people do a lot. Kind of like Prometheus did that also. And, like, so it's like, I, I, do, I don't particularly like that. And then also it's like, there's something about the dude who was, I, th I think he might have been the CIA agent, I don't even know, like, because I, I still don't really know the context of the scene, but, like, the guy who was threatening the people on the yeah, plane. Yeah, Yeah. felt really hammy to me. Oh, like, okay. the actor was just like, what the fuck? He's like, this is, like, this is really weird. This, yeah. like, this is how you would start this movie. That's kind of interesting, because Aiden Gillen is a really great actor. If you've seen him on The Wire, he's one of the main characters there, and he's fantastic on that show. Um, I don't I don't know if I know... He made no impression on me one way or another. In this it's movie. just like, it, I just felt really over the top, partially because I have no idea what's going on in this scene, so it's like, why the fuck are you acting like this? Like, I, it's like, what's... What you, it's like, what, what's going on in the scene? Like, well, he, it's, yeah. he's, he's just like, it's like, oh, where's the doctor? And it's like, what is this? Like, what the fuck are you yelling about? Like, what's... Why is like? Why are you so angry? Well, then what I'll just say is what I liked about the scene because I agree. I think the plot elements that works better on a second viewing when you know everything they're doing. But just as an introduction to Bane, I think that was a really good start because a you hear his voice first, and I really like that because it is just it's so unexpected. And then I think just as an introduction to his physicality and the power he commands in others. It's like I love the moment where he says, "No, you're not coming with us." So they have to find. No, you're not coming with us. Yes. They need to find one of us in the wreckage. Does the fire rise? 
Yes, brother, the fire rises. Yes, brother, the fire rises. I like, guess that's, I that's something that. about Bane that I did like is that the dude sounds really happy all, all the fucking time. That's and I it's because he's high on painkillers. It's like that's why he's fucking happy all the time. It's like it's, that's why he's like that. It's true. Maybe he's purposely doing a really terrible Sean Connery impression. Because he's high on painkillers. No, I did like. Love- I would love to see the entire movie from like Bane's point of view, where everything's like unicorns and rainbows, <laughs> because he's just like doped out of his fucking mind on painkillers. Because because they reveal in the movie that that's what his mask does. He doesn't take like the venom stuff that makes him super strong. Instead, the mask he has a spinal injury, so the mask gives him painkillers constantly. So that he doesn't, like, get driven insane by the pain. So it's just like, he's constantly doped. It's like, that makes so much sense for the performance. It does, and there's a lot of great moments that use that, like his last line in the movie where he says, I'm going to have to kill you anyway, so you'll just have to imagine the fire. I love that. He's so jovial about it. And But I think when we're talking about the voice, it's not just the way the voice sounds to me, but that the attitude behind it, it's jovial, it's Yeah, it's dignified. like, I, I like that. It's just it's really weird that it sounds like Sean Connery. Maybe okay. it's just me. I, I've seen some other people online that it also really bugged them, bugged them even more. It's like, I just thought that was really bizarre. Especially okay. if you're kind of expecting a sort of Central American type of thing, because Bane in the comic books is from... So I think he's like from some island, like off of like the coast of like Central America. It's like so you're kind of expecting an action that sort of sounds like that, and then fucking Sean Connery happens. You're like, where is Bane from in this movie? Is he from Central America in the comic books? And this is he like an Irish dude or Scottish dude who went to some like Middle Eastern country and got thrown into prison? Like, what is why happened to Bane? Like, why is he here? Well, yeah, and you know we we as we know this series has sort of a thing where they take characters of different nationalities and make them <laughs> like British racial go Irish because he's Liam Neeson it's like okay I I, I can't guess. complain because I like Liam Neeson though I mean yeah it's just like it's just really weird or Talia's French in this movie okay hey you got Marion Cotillard use her she's awesome it's like but it's just like so you had an Irish dude who, who had sex with him, like, what I, I'm guessing it seems like it's like some sort of like Arabian princess or something like that is kind yeah. of what they were saying and then they have a baby, and she's French? And not just French, but, like, Marianne Cotillard is the epitome of, yeah, like, a she's, French woman. Especially because, like, she doesn't do it much. Like, she, like, hides her accent in this movie pretty well. But it's like, if you see The Inception, it's like, she's super French. So yeah. It's like, that's really... And she just looks French. And yeah. she has that hairstyle and everything. So, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but back to Bane. Uh, I really just think this was a a great villain I kind of want to see. We've, we've talked about sort of the, the little nitpicky analysis. But mm-hmm. overall, do you think this is a great movie villain? Yeah, I think he's. If you can get over the Sean Connery thing, like I said, it's like I'm moving the like. I think if I see it again, I'll move even more to the side that it's. It's. I still think it's a stupid decision, but I think it's awesome. Like I think yeah. it's almost a so bad it's good kind of thing to me. Okay. At this point, and I just think it's good, but um, definitely I think he's a great movie villain, and I think it's really cool that they were able to take Bane, who not only is just sort of not well known among people, but he's sort of sporadically used and turn him into really an A-list villain that can follow in the footsteps of the Joker. And one of the things I'm happy about is, I've seen some stupid people trying to say, like, no, I don't like Bane because he's not Heath Ledger and all those... Yeah, and that like annoys me. But for the most... The sort of like Christopher Nolan, Batman movie fanboys I really yeah, hate. I know, me too. But for the most part, I think people have accepted Bane fine and they really like him because he's, he's a good presence and he's perfect for this story. Yeah. And the emotional issues that they're working through. And I think... There are some ridiculous elements to Bane's ultimate plot and the execution of it, which we'll talk about. Yeah. 
Um, and it's, 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 for me, that's not a huge issue, but I think... It kind of is for me. Okay. But, but Tom Hardy is so good in the role, and the character is so convincing, that that makes it a little more palatable when he can do something so huge, mm-hmm. you know? But let's talk about the key scene. So, Batman take, has Catwoman take him down to the sewers, he walks in, and they go all out on yeah. the thing. And they, they, the greatest part of that is they pull the music out. It's silent. Yeah. And it's just the noises of him getting beat to shit. And they went way more brutal with it than I thought they were going to do. Mm-hmm. The key thing isn't even the breaking of the back, which I love that they just did that panel yeah. right there. And they used the full IMAX frame to do it. Like, I don't know how they cropped that for normal theaters, because they used the full frame yeah. to execute it. But anyway, it's the scene where he gets Batman on the ground, he's just beating his head. Yeah, and it's like it's denting the cowl. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty... Yeah, it's like, to me, that was that was my favorite part of the movie. That was when, like... Because I was really, I really didn't particularly like the sort of first act of the movie, and then, but then once that scene happened, I was like, "That's a really, really good scene. Like that's that's the best fight scene there's been in any of these Batman movies." Oh yeah, where Christopher Nolan seemed, for whatever fucking reason, Christopher Nolan just thinks that like Batman means like car scenes and like like car chases. Because that's like that's all he just fucking does car chases all the time in these movies. It kind of. I don't particularly like... I mean, I think they're okay, but I don't, like, love the car chase scenes. It's like, I, mean, I, think I love Batman the one is, in the Dark Knight, the middle one. I, I, I love parts of that. It's okay. like, I don't... It's like, I, I just don't like the, necessarily the way they edit it that well. But, um... But it's like, to me, Batman should be fucking fight scenes, because he's a ninja. It's like, comic book movies need better fight scenes. And That's, that was a really good fight scene. I actually agree, and, and there's multiple of them in this movie, I think. There's the one at the uh, end, too. Uh, I didn't like. particularly like the one at the end. Like, okay. it, it just, it felt really weak to me. Okay. But, but I just think there were moments where I, it felt like... That's Batman to me more. Like, not just that, but when he and Catwoman are fighting their way through the sewers. Yeah, like, that whole sequence was the best part of the movie by far to me. Okay. It's like, it's just like, because that was the first time, actually, yeah, that's like the only time really in these Batman movies that the action was like, this is a Batman action scene to me. Okay. It's like, and I thought that's like, this is done really well. And I'll disagree with you on the final fight, though. I think that's incredible, and maybe it's because I saw it in 1570 IMAX film, but just to have... This giant fight with, like, thousands of extras fighting in the street. And on IMAX, and them in the middle of it, it blew me away. And with the Hans Zimmer score, I loved that. Part of my problem... Well, that, part of my problem was, like, one, that is where I really noticed them cutting away a lot. And then my other problem was, it's like, those police officers are the stupidest fucking people on the planet. They just line up in the middle of the street and charge, like, just head forward, like... Three blocks to City Hall, where there are like two dozen people with assault rifles lined up there. It's like, do you think this is fucking World War One? You guys have like five pistols. What the? F- they all should have died before they made it to City Hall. It was the stupidest fucking plan. It's like, have what? Do you did you have do you have you ever heard of the word or the words guerrilla warfare? Hello, like where a small unarmed force is able to defeat a large armed powerful force be through knowledge of the terrain and through small hit and run tactics. It's like, why the fuck are you people doing this? Okay. You all should be dead. That didn't bother it's me. Like, but what? Why is there a giant like army on or like Roman army style? Fist fight, like what the fuck is this? I thought it was really bizarre. Okay. It's like I thought it might have been cool, but it really took me out of the movie because it's like these are very, these are especially the Dark Knight. Like it's like all those movies are set up; they're very grounded and realistic. They get rid of the really comic booky aspects, and then you have this like completely ludicrous like thousand on thousand person fist fight okay. when Bane's guys are armed with assault rifles that apparently they forgot to use. Yeah, 
Do you agree it's a technical achievement, though? Yeah, I mean, it looks good, but it's fucking stupid for, like, what it does in the movie. It's like, I, I'm surprised nobody else I've seen online has ever, is, like, pointed as, like, this is the stupidest fucking thing that these people could pot. It's, it's like, it's not as stupid as the crane scene in The Amazing Spider-Man, but it's getting close to that, where it's like, for these characters okay. to do that, that's absurdly stupid. Yeah. It's like, it was really like, it, it just like made me immediately think of World War One, where it's like you would have like British troops, troops just charge a standing position with, and like one dude with a machine gun would like just mow down hundreds of people. Because you can't just run out there. Yeah. Well, anyway, so. Anyways, that's what, my rant on that fucking scene. Okay. So what else do we want to talk about Bane? Do you think this is the Bane. time to talk about his, his plot and sort of the story, or should we go uh, through other characters first? Uh, let's, yeah, let's just go ahead and, like, get the story stuff out okay. of because this is, part of, actually, I kind of want to get your opinion on this, because I'm, I still don't really understand totally the character motivations here, okay. and, like, why they do some of the stuff they do. Alright, well, so, what's your, so, so let's just, a quick overview, so Bane's whole plot is he, um, you know, through a very convoluted series of steps, is able to sort of use the the Wayne Enterprises to get the device that he's turned into a nuclear, nuclear bomb. The, the Spider-Man 2 nuclear fusion yes. device. Yes. It's like, I, yeah. so I was like, and when they set up the thing where it was going to flood the chamber, it's like, if they used that, I would have been like, why did you just take this plot from Spider-Man 2 for Dark Knight Rises? That's how Spider-Man 2 ends Dark Doctor. I was, I was really hoping that at one point, when Bane goes up and gets the nuclear fusion device, he'd be like, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. <laughs> like, no, I, I was really but, hoping for that. Yeah, they're, they're talking about alternative energies. There's only so many things they're gonna do for us. <laughs> like dude, they invented a fucking. That was another thing that kind of bugged me. It's like you invented a nuclear fusion device, Bruce Wayne, and this, and this, you, you just have it like sitting down there in the basement. It's like you invented nuclear fusion. That's like one of the hugest fucking things you could possibly invent. It's not like he came up with a better form of like solar energy or like yeah. a more efficient form of wind energy to like sort of like solve the alternative energy problem. He invented fucking nuclear fusion. It's like done, solved. Alternative energy, we got it. Done. No more fossil fuels. We don't need that. We could you could power the whole fucking city with that thing. Right, and you could probably you wouldn't have to worry about security because you could just get the United States. Yeah, to get the fucking military to guard it. Like you just can't. You just have like the most precious fucking thing on the planet that could save billions of lives if you if you manufactured it and like distributed to cities. It's like, but nope, nope. It's like one dude came up with a way to make it a really, really weak nuclear bomb given the ending of the movie that it's like it has almost no negative effects even though it blows off like six miles off the coast of Gotham. I guess there's no like there's like it's like just super weak nuclear weapon. Well Bane was boasting I guess. I don't know. It's like I don't know. It's like that it's like these are kind of nitpicky things, but they are stuff that like as soon as they happen it just kinda of, like takes me out of the movie. Especially because they go really they go a lot bigger and more complex with this movie and I don't think they quite get a handle on it. Okay. It's like whereas the other Batman begins and Dark Knight tackled what they knew that they could tackle. And it's like, whereas this, it's like they're kind of like getting a much bigger scope and like throwing in some elements that it's like, you don't really know how to account for these elements totally. And so I, some I of those... Kind of, I kind of agree, but I guess it's... It's the, not, it's like, I want to say it's like, I'm, I'm going a bit over the top with it. It's not a big issue, but it is an issue with the movie. And my issue is actually some, a different part of the plot, but we'll get to that. I want to finish. Let's. Stop I have the other finishing. issues with the plot. Okay, let's. This is not. That's my, not my only one. Okay. I, I just want to say right now before we get any farther that I know this is going to happen again, where I'm going to get a lot more negative on this movie than I intend to. So it's like I still think the movie's really good, but I'm going to get really nitpicky and negative on it from now on because and, that's and just inevitable with me. And there's a nitpick I'm going to do that's going to sound a lot like a Sean rant. 
but we'll get to that. I I'm looking finish, forward to it. Before we do any more tangents, let's just okay. finish sort of the overview of what Bane's doing. He Bane. gets the nuclear you know, device. He gets the Applied Sciences Division of Wayne Enterprises. He traps all the police underground. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> and uh, you know, introduces himself through the, the football scene, which is a really impressive set piece, I think, especially in IMAX. Yeah, I kind but, of wish it hadn't been spoiled in the trailer. I do, too. That, that sequence was like a really cool sequence. And it was like really and it's terrifying, movie. I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Parts of it. Yeah, it's like if they hadn't been in the trailer, it would have been a bit more powerful to me. Yeah, me too. But, um, again, not the movie's fault. But yeah, it's, but it's just yeah. saying. Right. Um, but I did love the way they cut that with the kids singing and, and sort of it just the sound drops out and Bane climbing up in and, and sort of the bombs. He has a nice voice. That was great. It's, <laughs> yeah. Let the games begin. <laughs> but anyway. I, so, I was really hoping that the little boy would, like, walk off, like, and go, like, down, like, where Bane was and he would, like, pat him on the head <laughs> and then, like, like, have him go on his way before he, like, killed everybody. Pull, Bane pulls a lollipop out of his jacket. <laughs> You did a very good job, little boy. You should run along now, quite literally. <laughs> no, but anyway, so Bane, he executes this plot, and he basically holds Gotham hostage and starts this revolution. And this is where it sort of, I think this is where your question was in motivations. Why do they me, hold the city hostage for five months if they're just going to blow it up? Well, he has the speech, and I don't know if you were able to sort of hear every part of the speech, but when he imprisons Bruce Wayne, he says about, you know, the idea of to really create despair, you have to give people hope first, and so he's thinking he can give the lower classes of Gotham hope before he kills them all. And it's basically his way of torturing Gotham before he destroys it. And it's, it's um, Talia says the same thing at the end when she's got the knife in Bruce, she says, you know, it's the knife that you hold in and turn that hurts the most. And that's what they're trying to do, is really bring Gotham to its knees. And I think they're also trying to make an example for America, is saying, look what we're doing to your city, and if they just destroyed it, that wouldn't have the impact of holding it hostage for five months and having tons of people kill each other. And yeah, it's still, that's still stupid to me. Okay. Like, that still doesn't, like... I mean, and this is part of the problem with the entire motivations of the League of Assassins in, like, the comic books and in they got brought into the movies. And it's, like, part of the problem with Batman Begins. Is it's, a, it's a really terrible anime-style character motivation of that, like, people are evil, so I'm going to kill people so that they can't be evil anymore. It's just like, and that's not exactly it, but well, it's I like think, that's sort of like the gist of like the League of me, Assassins plots. Right, but to me I think it ties into one of the main themes of the franchise, which is that, you know, I think Christopher Nolan's socio-political stance on the world is that society is pretty well fucked and broken. And there are institutions that perpetuate themselves for the wrong reasons, and we allow them to perpetuate our, themselves through apathy, and that's what part of what compels Bruce to become Batman is he knows he cannot affect change through the system. His parents tried and they got killed by the same kind of class of person they were trying to help. So you can't affect change that way. You have to work outside it. That's the birth of Batman. That's what he convinces Catwoman to do in this movie and stuff. But if you're going to address that issue, you're also going to have to address is full-scale revolution justified at that point? And so you have to well, It's it. like, it doesn't... It, I mean, I never felt like... It, like, kind of was, like, trying to bring on some sort of, like, social-political things, especially, obviously, like, the Occupy Wall Street type stuff. Yeah. Like, came up, but it's like the movie never... Like, that... Like, nothing... The movie never really did anything with it. It was just kind of like... It ultimately was just like, Bane, use that. Well, he does, but I think... If they were just giving a cursory glance to it, Selena Kyle wouldn't be in the movie. And their interpretation of her wouldn't be in the movie because they're giving you a sympathetic version of, or a sympathetic representation of the 99% there with her. And trying to say, I, th- I think, and I wrote this, I have this big 16-page article up on the website about the movie and my analysis of it. And one of the chapters in there is about these issues we're talking about right now. And I just personally think what they're trying to say with it is that, you know, there's a line between 
the kind of, you know, the, the pessimism that leads to what Bane and the League of Shadows are doing, and then sort of just the, the want for, so sort of the desire for, for things to turn out differently that sort of Catwoman and Selina Kyle believes in, and that the actual way to fix society is sort of the happier middle ground that Bruce is trying to fight for through symbolic change. And I think I don't think it's a cursory glance at it at all. I think there really is some discussion of it there. And I, think I think there is some, but it's like it's so since it's by essence of it being a Batman movie, it's not really the point of the Batman movie. That it's like it almost feels like, especially in this movie, like uh, there I have some stuff with like like the Dark Knight specifically has some scenes that I feel are like really hammy and like are trying to tell you something that it's like I don't maybe it's just I don't agree with. But with this movie particularly, they I felt like. They it has a bit of Spider-Man Three syndrome where it's like it tackles a lot of stuff, especially with like especially at the beginning with Batman and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Catwoman and Bane. It's like kind of trying to juggle all of those things at the same time, I, and then they start throwing in just sort of cursory stuff about like the economic disparity and Occupy Wall Street stuff. That it's like I feel like it just starts kind of in this movie specifically starts getting a little bit distracting to me, okay. where it's like more time could and, be used focused on the main plot. And I kind of get that. It, none of it... I, I, th- I agree they take on a lot here, but I think it was all balanced really well. I never had a problem with, with how much they took on. Um, there's, there's no part of the movie that, to me, feels underserviced. And I think uh, more than that they're actually you know, sitting down and discussing these issues, I think they're just sort of woven into the thematic fabric of the larger discussions it's, it's giving, and I think it's open to interpretation, and I'm fine with that. But I can, I can understand your stance on it, Yeah, I guess. And, um, you know... So there's that. But anyway, we were talking about Bane's plot, I think. Yes. So do you kind of... I, I want to talk about specific sort of logical issues, but just first an overall impression. Did this feel like a, an interesting direction to go in for the movie? I did. Um, it's, I, I don't know. It felt like it, it, felt like it was... Like Bane's actual plot was kind of thrown on the back burner and the, the movie didn't feel it was important to me because it definitely didn't feel like... It didn't feel like him holding the hot, the city hostage for five months didn't feel like... It's like there was... I mean, maybe the, I might have missed those lines, but it's like it didn't feel like that was particularly like something that they needed to do. And that, like... And the, I mean, it but just that's kind the of, whole last half of the movie. Yeah, is. but it's like... But it, it felt to me like a really cheap way of we're going to, like, have that stuff going on so, so that Bruce Wayne... So he has five months to become Batman again, and then come back, and it's almost like a James Bond type thing. Of it's like we're not going to just kill you. It's like we're not just going to blow up the city. We're going to leave you alive, and we're going to wait to blow up the city so that you can come back and save the day. It kind of felt like well, it's definitely... very much that sort of plot device to me, and it was felt really blatant to me. Okay, it didn't feel blatant, but I agree that that's that's part of. His I mean, that, that, that's that's why it was there to me. That's that's like, part of his function, absolutely. But, you know, it worked for me because especially I think they're just trying to, you know, they're, again, they're trying to say things about revolutions and sort of instill this sort of fear in you that, you know, we've established this as a real world context and now this is happening in something that feels familiar to us. And I think that affected me definitely. It's it's so big and, and epic to me. And I don't use that word lightly. When I say epic in this sense, I'm not just saying it feels big. I think there's a lot of movies that feel big. This one actually, I think, goes for an epic scope. And whether or not you feel it achieves it, I, I really admire the movie for going there. And and really having, you know, they're going to do an occupation of Gotham. They really show it, and they have it all, and it, it ends in this spectacularly large climax. It's and, a really stupid final battle. Okay. That every, I mean, the villain should have won. Everyone should have died in that fucking scene. Like, everybody. Anyway, so let's talk about logical issues with sort of the execution. Because once the plot is executed, 
I have no problems with that. I think it's a really interesting thing that they do for the second, third acts of the movie. But here's my question, and it's, it's two-tiered. Why the fuck does Gordon send 3,000 police officers into the... 3,000 into the sewers! He sends them all there. And I can understand if you, if you knew what Bane was going to do, you would do that, because that's warranted at that yeah. point. But because but they don't but know they're just that, going to like investigate the sewers. They're just going to like yeah. they basically say we're going to like kind of like map it out. Yeah. So it's like you it's send, like those are really convoluted sewers. So send every single person we have, everybody. Yep. And and so that bothers me. And it's it's just that again. And it's it, like it's, it's really fucking convenient for Bane too. Yeah. Well, That's what I was going to say though is my question is. How does Bane know Gordon is going to say? Because he has to charge his place to trap 3,000 police officers. It's very rigid. And how did he know Gordon was going to do that? See, I didn't. I never. I never thought about that. That he. I mean, did they? Did they actually say that he knew? Like that? That that he planned that to happen? Because I got I the guess. sense that it was totally fucking by coincidence. Because they go. Don't they go into the big? The big, huge fucking thing in the sewer that Bane's been hiding in the entire time. That I have no idea why that thing's there, but it's like they go there because to try to find Bane, and then but and Bane doesn't blow that area up because there's like no real like good way to blow that up because it's just like this big cylinder thing. Yeah, like I thought it was just totally by fucking coincidence, and Bane was just like Bane's just like that was really lucky. <laughs> we let that on that one. We would have been fucked if there were three thousand policemen because they could just run at us and beat the crap out of us with their fists while we had assault rifles, and we wouldn't be able to do anything about it. <laughs> I, I think you should do the whole podcast in your Bane voice. I kind of want to. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, no, I, I, I thought they said something about, like, because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, who I really liked, we'll talk about that later, yeah. but he um, had mapped the city, and he saw where they were placing them, and it was to collapse these areas. And and the the police officers, as I understand it, at the end of the movie, are not all in one central location. They're in different mm. places. Okay, so because that, that part of the movie wasn't particularly clear to me because I yeah I didn't care that much. Okay, it's like, but yeah, but I just although I do have to say one thing I did think was cool about the plan. This is kind of a cool idea. I don't know if this has ever been done in another movie, but I like the idea that they had the guys posing as like construction workers and that they mix explosives into the cement. Yeah. I thought that was a cool idea, and it was plausible. It was yeah. like it yeah, was, it's like it seems like. That you might actually be able to do that. Yeah, I definitely think on the whole, Bane's plans did make more sense from like a terrorist standpoint to me than some of the Joker stuff. Where yeah. I still have, it's like to me, it's like that's one of my issues with the Dark Knight is like a lot of the stuff that the Joker does is really ridiculous and plausible. But it's kind of in this area where that might be kind of the point. Like it's yeah. hard to really say, and I'm not even sure if if it is the point if that excuses it or not. But yeah. it's well, like there's leeway there right. for and, the Joker I, stuff. Right, with Bane. He he's a very ordered, logical character. He doesn't get the like out that the Joker does of being like crazy and over the top, and it being like impossible just to make the Joker seem like he's this unstoppable, chaotic force. Yeah, but so for the most part, I think apart from some of the little logical errors we've we've put out there, it, it makes sense to me. And yeah, the old, I mean the the biggest thing that to me, I guess there's kind of two things, and one of them I'm not entirely sure about, but it's like where he uh, lets loose all the prisoners in Blackgate. Where it's like I, it never really felt like it really went back to what happened with the prisoners. If like if they joined Bane or what? I thought they joined Bane because they all because come out with yeah, that's rifles. that's what I felt like it, it was saying too. But I was like, why would the prisoners do that? I mean, I get it. I get the prisoners. Some of them might, but it's like every single prisoner is not going to come out of there and just join the terrorist maniac who's blocked off the entire city just because. And it's weird because it seems it's completely contrary to the Dark Knight. 
where the Dark Knight had this weird stance that prisoners have a bigger respect for life than like normal people do because the prisoners on the boat like don't like throw away the one like well, the, bomb the one thing. the one prisoner does well yeah so. but I mean it's like it kind of is saying that like hey prisoners aren't all just like terrible evil people who would kill thousands of people just because they like stole a car or something yeah, not right. every prisoner is like that then this movie is like every single prisoner in that prison prison just walks right out grabs an assault rifle and is like oh that dude has taken hostage of my city. Uh, fuck it. I'll, I'll join him. It's like, well, that you know, makes total sense for me to do. Well, maybe it's because, you know, they've been in prison for ten years now, and they're just... But you don't... It's like, it's a prison. It's like not every... Like, some people are there for fucking, like, fraud in, like, in white-collar crimes. It's like not everyone's, like, a violent murderer. Well, well, I, I mean, know. I get it's Gotham, but it's like, come on. Well, and I think you do see a lot, though, of devastation and street crime going on, and I think a lot of them just go out and and are just wreaking havoc because they have the capacity to now. And I'm sure some of the white-collar ones you're talking about just try to go find their families or whatever. Yeah, I'm saying, it's just like, it's just was really weird because it's definitely, that's like what the movie was saying to me. And it's like, because I saw Batman Begins in the Dark Knight, I rewatched them really close to when I saw Dark Knight Rises. So it's like, that prisoner thing was like in my head, and I saw that as like, it's like, because cause I I kind of agree. I mean, I think this, that scene of the Dark Knight's really hammy, and I don't particularly like it, but I do agree that it's like, people just assume that someone who's committed a crime or someone's in prison is just like this evil person, and it's like, they're just insane, they're crazy, they'll just like, do whatever, they have no morals or anything. And it's like, so I kind of like that, because I kind of had that viewpoint. Then this movie, like, goes the completely other direction, and every yeah. single prisoner just grabs an assault rifle and joins Bane, where I think most of them probably wouldn't, because right. Bane's a terrorist. It's just like, just because you're a criminal doesn't mean you're going to join this maniac terrorist that's high on drugs and sounds like Sean Connery. Yeah, um, did you like the sort of Easter egg, or it's not really, but the cameo of Jonathan Crane being the Yeah, judge? I, I, I liked it, this like... I that mean, was a nice was, comic book yeah. touch kind of thing to me, where you would just have a character kind of come in without sort of any fanfare, and he's mm-hmm. just there. Um, but yeah, that was interesting. Do you think there's any chance they would have had a Joker cameo in that area? I don't, but... I mean, if, well, if Heath Ledger lived, uh, probably. Okay. I think, I, I, if they, if he's, I mean, I, I, I assume that they would have. I mean, they yeah. have, they've had Scarecrow pop up in all right. the three movies. But the difference there to me, though, is that Scarecrow was never a big threat. But he and was the main villain of the first movie. I mean, Ray al Ghul popped up in this one. I was right. like, I don't. And no, so like, I think, I think, true. I think there would have been a cameo of the Joker, but I'm glad that they didn't try to do some like fake cameo or anything. Right. I thought that would have been really tasteless. Yeah. No, and I, and I, I, I my, my whole thing is, real world Joker would probably have been executed somewhere in those eight years. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Although, oh, that reminds me, I forgot about my. Actually, the biggest point is there is no fucking way even with the, the the like nuclear fusion bomb there's no way bane could have held an american a major american metropolitan city hostage for five months with the american military doing almost nothing but sending in like three dudes who get killed right away yeah it's like there is no fucking way that would happen that is that's like almost half a year and the american right. military is just like well, this has never happened before. I guess, fuck it, I guess we'll just wait. <laughs> like, well, see what turns out. It's like, I, I wish this was a comic book like this. It's like in the DC universe, we just send Superman in there. Yeah. Fuck. It's like, we're the, we're the U.S. military. It's like, we can't do anything here in this situation at all. No, and I kind of get that. It's um, like, that just like, that just really, really bugged me. It's just like, it's there's just, no, yeah. there's, that's like, I mean, it's, Kind of nitpicky, but it's still, it's like, there is no way no, I, it would I, happen like that. And I understand that it's like, with the plot of the movie, 
that there would be way too much going on if you tried to throw in, like, the U.S. military trying to do something with it, too. But then there's kind of a flaw of, like, you choosing that plot if you can't do everything that that plot kind of necessitates. And I do wonder if it's just sort of a, a, a contrivance, or is that a targeted thing yeah, that like, Nolan is saying about America? It's like, it, sometimes you can't really tell. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, that's just sort of interesting, but... Anyway, um, so we've talked about the plot and everything. We've talked about kind of how it resolves. I think we're going to talk about the like actual ending, last ten minutes of the movie later. Yeah. But um, anyway, let's let's go back and talk about some characters. Okay. So let's start with just sort of the returning players. I mean, we already talked about the biggest new one, Bane. But let's before we get on to the other new characters, let's talk about the returning uh, Michael Caine. Amazing in this movie. I yeah. Thought. Although I still have a thing. This is another problem that kind of carries over from the Dark Knight. I don't remember. I don't think they really do it that much in Batman Begins. And it's like, and it. Only works in people, I think only people only pass it, like, you say it's okay because Michael Payne, Michael Caine is really, really good, but every fucking line that Alfred has is a speech. Oh, I and know. they it's like they did that in The Dark Knight, and then it's like they do it again, and it's almost like, I mean, and it's literally, in this movie, every single thing that Alfred fucking says is, is a speech. Yeah. Bane kind of has it too, and I kind of like it with Bane because it's really weird. <laughs> it's like Alfred is just like... It's like, Michael Caine, you're really, really awesome. It's like, this isn't your fault, but it's like, guys, it's like, nobody talks like this! Like I don't like, care. It's it's Michael Caine. It's awesome. It's, it's just like I. It, it just was really, it's really distracting to me because it's just like, uh... Because as soon as it's like, they're doing it again! There's every single fucking Alfred thing is a speech. But it's like, why? Why? Well, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me in the slightest because those scenes where his speeches really hit me on an emotional level, I think. It's That's what I'm saying. That it's like, if people say it's okay because Michael Caine does a really good job. If it wasn't Michael Caine, it's bad writing. It's like the speeches themselves are well written, but the fact that the, the character's saying it there is really ridiculous. And it's like... But I don't get how. Like, how is it ridiculous? Because nobody fucking talks like that. That's well, not. That's like. Re- it's and like nobody else talks like that either. It's really weird stylistic Sean, decision that Sean, I don't know why nobody else fucking has a problem with. Sean, it. no one in the real world dresses up like a bat and fights crime either. So, There's- but it's like, but that's different. It's different. It's not because of that premise where you can suspend your disbelief or whatever. Where it's like, yes, okay, this is the premise of the movie. This dude dresses up like a bat. I can get behind that. But that in no way entails, then, that Alfred, every single thing that Alfred says is this really, like, like well-spoken speech. It's like, it's just, it, I just, like, it really bugs me. It's a really bizarre way of writing that character that doesn't, I don't know why, maybe it's just me, because nobody else ever has a problem no. with it, but it feels really bizarre and out of place to me. I do not, I every really time. don't get it, because Alfred's kind of my favorite part of these movies. He's great. I think he, I, just, Once again, it's because Michael Caine is fucking awesome. Yes, I and I don't... He's really good. But they would not, I, I 100% guarantee, if there were anyone else playing this character, they wouldn't write him like that. They know they have Michael Caine, they can do it. It's, you do have to look at it that way, I mean... Well, yeah, but I mean, but I, I know it doesn't bug you, because it, because, because Michael Caine delivers it so well. I recognize that Michael Caine delivers it really well, but it still feels out of place to me. Okay, it doesn't because feel it out does of place. Because it's like... Can I say something? It's really bizarre. Sure. Okay. I don't, think it, it, I don't think it feels out of place. I really love the character. I really love how he's used. And to a certain degree, I actually think Michael Caine's Alfred is so good in this, he's ruined every other Alfred interpretation no, for me. The, it's I, like, I mean, he's really not Alfred. I mean, this is just it's like... It's different, yeah. yeah. It's like, because he doesn't fulfill the same role that Alfred really does in the well, other Well, he's one. much more of a father, because if you're going to, again, do the sort of real-world idea, you can't separate the fact that he raised this person from who he is. 
I mean, mm-hmm. you, I think I, I like that these movies really address that, that, you know, in a real-world context, I don't know how Alfred could live with himself having raised a person who's abusing himself this way. And, and well, I mean, I, in a, in a, I mean, you could say, like, real-world context, but it's like, in a real-world context, like, the, the still, the thing of him dressing up as Bat is, like, right. completely fucking ridiculous, and it's terrible what he does. He's just, like, he's a vigilante, and he's doing, like, horrible crimes, and he's just, he's hurting people. So it's like yeah. Batman. Batman's a terrible thing in real life. I know, like, but but anyway, I, I do love the scenes with with Alfred and and Bruce. Although and I have side. to say, I mean, one of the things that's like really bugged me is that specifically there's one scene. I mean, usually I can get, I can, I let the speeches go. There's not a big problem. It's just like it just bugs me because it's like nobody else has that fucking problem except for me. It's just like that kind of bugs me because once again, I really don't like the Christopher Nolan Batman movie fanboys really get on my nerves because they act like these movies are like the greatest things. The greatest movies ever made. Like nobody can ever make movies as good as Christopher Nolan, and I, I, I don't agree with that. But there's there's one scene, and they do it for the ending because they pick it up at the ending. But there's a scene where Alfred talks to Bruce, and he's in like out of fucking nowhere. He starts talking about it's like it's like I was hoping you wouldn't come back. It's like when you left. I, I, it's like, I went to, like, some, like, cafe in Paris or That's something. That's a great scene! That's a It one. comes, the, that, that, that speech comes the fuck out of nowhere! No, it doesn't! Yes, it does! He just starts talking about it when it's like, why are you talking about this now? He, it, no, it, there's a very clear definition. He's trying to convince Bruce that he's doing the wrong things with his life, that he's not addressing his own psychology the right way, and then he says, here's what's wrong... I wish you had just had a normal life. That's what they're talking about, and that's the context. But of the it's speech. like he just like comes out with this fucking speech out of nowhere. Like it's just like it's like nothing. Like he can he can like convince Bruce and like talk to Bruce about this stuff. But like it's just really bizarre, especially when they do the thing where it cuts away. And it's like it does like sort of like a flashback thing where Michael Caine sits down and like this cafe. It's like I felt that all was really out of place. Like, I, it almost felt like it was almost like a rewrite or something, because especially, I don't know if this was intentional, but, like, just the shot of the cafe felt like it was from a completely, it was like almost like the ending of Blade Runner, like the theatrical ending, where it's like, this is from a completely different fucking movie. Like, this just, like, looks different, this is, like, but really But in a weird. different part of the world, I don't Well, yeah, but it's just, like, but, like, the, that entire thing doesn't feel like, like, the whole, like, thing where they would, like, cut away. Because it's not like, you know, in Dark Knight, like, Alfred gives a speech, it's like, I knew a guy when I was in Burma. And it's like, and then it doesn't cut away to, like, a younger Michael Caine in Burma or anything like yeah, that. Like, it's movie, never done that before. But the Dark Knight also doesn't end with Bruce Wayne going to Burma. Well, yeah, so I know they set it up for the ending, but it still feels really bizarrely out of place when it happens, and it took me out of the movie when it okay, happened. That's one of my favorite scenes in the film, I think it's... It's one of my least favorite scenes okay. in the film. I liked it, but... Okay, so you hate Michael Caine's Alfred... And I, I yeah, it's like I don't I don't hate it because it's like once again I'm I'm being more negative about it than I intend to be, but it's just like it's some it's just like an issue with the movie that I don't like how that's written. It just feels really bizarre, clunky, and out of place compared to like everything else that happens in the movie. Well, I and the rest of the world think Michael Caine is is wonderful and his he's beautifully written and just a wonderful man, and we should all build statues of him. In okay, our there's, there's another thing though. I thought it was like. It was really weird how Alfred just kind of leaves the movie halfway through. Actually, not even halfway, like a fourth of the way it's through. It's the end of the, the first movie. act, but I think yeah. that's... It's like he just kind of leaves, and it kind of felt like they didn't know what to do, how like how they would put Alfred into like the second and like most of the third act of the movie. And so they just kind of like, Alfred's gone now. Or it's like, Alfred well, would we... never leave Bruce. Like, that would, Alfred would never do that. No way. Alfred would, n- Alfred would never abandon not, Bruce. 
Uh, but that would not like, happen. It's bullshit. He's trying to stop enabling Bruce. And he would never leave Bruce. He'd never abandon him like that. It's bullshit. Okay, sorry. Alfred would... It's like... And that's why it's like... That's why it's hard-hitting. That's why it's, you know, a big moment. It's like... It's like... I, when people complain about, like, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies in Return of the King, there's, like, Sam and Frodo break up for a little bit and then they get back together later. Like, Gollum breaks them up yeah. before they go to Shelob's lair. It's like... I don't really have a problem with that in the Return of the King movie. But it's like, it's like how people talk about that, like fans of the books, it's like, that's how I feel about this. It's like, Sam would never abandon Frodo. That would never happen. It's like, Alfred would never abandon Bruce. Ever. He's, I mean, it's because it is like, Alfred is like Bruce's father. I mean, even like yeah. in any adaptation, like this goes a little farther with it than most adaptations of Alfred. But it's like, Alfred would never fucking abandon Bruce. To the day he died, he would never do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and it felt—I mean, it just kind of felt like they did that because they didn't know what to do with Alfred for the rest of the movie. No, because you have to strip if you're going to get Bruce to his lowest point where he has nothing to depend on. You have to strip him of Alfred somewhere in the film. You—that's—that's that's the thematic point of that. That's where they're going with that. That was it's, Batman Begins, though, where he's lost everything and then he has to come back up and then he gets Alfred. And then once he gets Alfred, Alfred would never abandon Bruce. That just wouldn't happen ever. They've, I, okay, I think in the context of these films, it would, in the story they're telling. I mean, also, Alfred wouldn't have lied to Bruce about, to Bruce about Rachel, but that's Dark Knight. Problems. Okay. Anyway, so, other returning characters, Gary Oldman, always nice to see him. Yes. Commissioner Gordon, I, 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 I liked, I don't think Gordon had as much to do here as he did yeah, in Dark Knight, but, but there's no problem, it's just. Yeah, it's just like, they have, they have a lot of characters, so they have right. to do something like the. And I think the moments where he is in the movie really count, they're good yeah. stuff, um. Lots of lots of fun Gordon material. I love that he gets to be an action hero at the end on the truck and, and putting the thing back together. Just Gordon to... never abandoned Batman. What? Gordon never abandoned Batman. No, he didn't. But Alfred did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you're, I think you're hurt by this. <laughs> it's just like, it, it is something because it's like, that's just so... If, if like if like you're a Batman fan, it's just like that seems so out of character for like Alfred. Like If like if anything else Alfred did that, I would just immediately be like, this is fucking bullshit. It, this this movie can kind of slide because it's a very different adaptation of Batman, but it still is really bizarre. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so we agree Gary Oldman always good to have. Oh, yeah. Fucking yeah. awesome. He's Gary Oldman awesome. should be in every movie. He should. I Like, that should be congressional legislation. Yeah. I don't know if we can do that because this is America and he's English, but yeah. Um, I, I, I will say I noticed him slipping back into his British accent more in this movie, but I don't mind at all. Yeah, I, I, th I think it, 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 a lot of it was when he was, like, in the hospital scenes. Yeah. Like, so it's like... But that's a really good scene where yeah. he's, he's giving... But you talk about other people don't have speeches. He has a big speech when he's in the hospital bed. You know, there's, now there's evil rising and the Batman must come back. It's like, that didn't bug me because that was, like, the first teaser trailer. Yeah. So it's like, as soon as that happened, I, th I kind of almost, like, turned that scene off because I'd seen that teaser trailer, like, half a dozen times. So it's yeah. like, oh, that's this scene. Yeah. Okay, the movie's starting no. it. And actually, um, what my favorite moment with Gordon in the movie is at the end where I really was hoping they would do this and bring it back to where Bat Bruce is able to thank Gordon for being there for him mm -hmm. when he was a kid and just tie the trilogy full circle that way. Really warmed my heart. Loved that scene. Yeah. And, um, and it is sort of interesting that Gordon had never figured out it was Bruce Wayne, but how he immediately just accepts it. Yeah. And then he, he reads the thing at the end of the... What book is that from? Is that... Uh, Tale of Two, two cities. cities? I thought so, yeah. So anyway, um, yay, Gary Oldman. Uh, what are the other major returning characters? I don't think there are many. Uh, Lucius Fox. Oh, yeah. Back for so, a bit. Awesome. Morgan Freeman. You yeah. can't. And, and I, I think one of the best things they've done in this trilogy is Lucius Fox and the chemistry he and 
Bruce share, which is sort of yeah. playful. And I mean, I, 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 I like it because Morgan Freeman is awesome. But yeah. I, I kind of don't like how Lucius Fox functions narratively because he's basically there as a exposition device for like oh, okay. Bruce. he's he's cute. He like explains the gadgets. Right. So it's like. But that kind of takes away a part of, like, Batman, where it's like, Batman doesn't know shit in these movies. Like, Batman's not particularly smart. He's not, like, a genius. He doesn't make his own gadgets. He doesn't, he like... He repairs the autopilot on the Batwing. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like, that kind of just happens off screen, and it's like, it's okay. just like... So it's like, but that's, like, why Lucius Fox exists in this movie is an expository device. But that takes away from Batman being really awesome. I guess so, but I, but I mean, but Morgan, a, but it's like, but Morgan Freeman's really awesome in the world. It's like, and they yeah. kind of need to have I some bet. sort of narrative device in place there. What I do, think but he's that, less, a, he's, he's just, he's a, he's a, he's a plot device to me, and not really a character in these movies. Okay. Well, I think, I think, I just really like the scenes between him and Bruce Wayne. They have really good banter. He and Christian yeah. Bale. I mean, they're nice scenes, but yeah. Um, what I, but I also think in a movie, it's it would be much harder to show Bruce coming up with everything himself. You have to have some kind of shorthand when you're not serial. Yeah, I know, but I, I I know it's hard. But it's like it's still like okay. it still takes something away from the character, okay. even though it would have been hard to do yeah. another way. I do hope they one day let Christopher Nolan make his James Bond movie because he clear, so clearly wants to. If yeah, he, there's every movie he's ever made. There's James Bond homages in it. It's, mm-hmm. It is kind of funny to me. Anyway. Um, what was I going to say? So, Lucius Fox, I think that's all the returning characters. So, um, the, but the, really the new characters actually were my favorite part of this movie. From Bane to Catwoman to John Blake, I loved all of them. And so let's talk about Catwoman, Selina Kyle. Okay. Fantastic. Just yeah, great. Good. Yep, Anne Hathaway was perfect in the role. And really perfect. <laughs> You're going to hit me now. <laughs> oh my, f- you did, oh Jesus Christ. What did you fucking watch? Like the Michelle Batman Returns? It's like it's like that sound like a Michelle Pfeiffer thing. I think it is. Oh, I think that's Jesus where my Christ! Is. I can't believe you fucking said that. Should I edit this out? No, you have to leave it in. Okay, so that everyone knows how stupid you are. Yeah, no. You, I mean, this you're just kind of like a worse person for having just done that <laughs> I think I than know. you were before you did. Yeah, I know. I I think I've just felt a piece of my heart chip away. God damn it. Okay, yeah, so... And I, and I, I, anyway, I just think this is the most overtly sort of comic book aspect of the trilogy, is her character. Yeah. But I like that, because I think... Cat, I was a little worried about how they were going to do Catwoman in this, because to me, she... I, I will just say, she's probably my favorite of the Batman sort of side characters, like that aren't, like, Bruce Wayne or one of the, like, you know, one of the main, main characters. Like, because she's not really a villain in a lot of stories. Uh, yeah, well, but, she, like, I mean, it kind of depends on what era of Batman you're looking right. at. Nowadays, she's not a villain almost yeah. at all. And I, I think when I say Catwoman Woman's my favorite, it's definitely the animated series sort yeah. of approach to her. Um, especially, like, one of my reasons Arkham City, I love that game so much, is they do Catwoman so well in that. And mm-hmm. to me, just this, this version of uh, Catwoman is played by Anne Hathaway is like my perfect realization of Catwoman. Like, that's exactly how I want Catwoman done. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a really good job with her, both in her Selena Kyle personality and then her doing Catwoman. And actually, this is going to sound odd, but actually that's how I think Christian Bale should have done Batman more, where there's not such a big gap between the two personalities. Because you can really see Selena sliding very easily from how she is out of costume to in costume, where mm-hmm. it's just sort of a slight vocal change, yeah. slight personality, but you can tell they're the same person. And where with you know Bruce Wayne Batman, it's Bruce Wayne just talks normally, and then when he's Batman, it's you know where is the trigger? Yeah. I, I do love in this movie they do that again, where it's like yep. they're just like where's the trigger, and then he starts like just beating the shit up, Bane. Where is it? It's like would you just would you just let me fucking talk already? Please just stop hitting me in the fucking face. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, where's the trigger? But do you get what I mean about that? Like, yeah, 
Yeah, when you're, when, you're, when you're doing like alter egos, I think Anne Hathaway just totally nailed it. Yeah, she that. did. A, I, I do agree. She handled that better. Yeah, and um, but I really loved the sort of voice she employed and just sort of how committed she was to sort of the sort of sensual, playful side of the role. And I think there's a lot they suggest with the character too. It just feels like a really well written three dimensional character where she doesn't necessarily have as much screen time as everyone else. But or some of the bigger characters like Batman and Bane, but you feel like she's not ill served by that. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and they still you know they have her stealing jewels, they have her um, sort of being morally compromised, but sort of ultimately coming down on the side of good and having a, a real palpable arc there. So really love that character. Yeah, I mean, I I I I've not like. I didn't think it was like the greatest Catwoman ever or anything, but it's like I I like Anne Hathaway in the movie. I think some of the. Where it's like, that was the most comic booky aspect of the movie to me, and that was a good thing and a bad thing. I thought a lot of the more comic booky writing, especially near the end of the first act, where Catwoman has some kind of grown-worthy one-liners, I think. Like, she's like, it's it's not like, it's not like Michelle Pfeiffer, where, like, everything's a cat pun. But it's like, she's still, she is the character who they, even though they've never really done this in these movies, all of a sudden she gets these little quips, and it's like, it felt out of place to me. Well, but it, it was you. It was constrained to that character. They didn't suddenly have. Yeah, everyone. but it's like still. It's like it doesn't. Fe- it didn't feel to me like that character would have existed in this universe. Like okay. I, th- I think it's like it went a little too far comic booky. It's like I never thought I would hear you make that complaint. But I mean, it's like yeah. in these movies, no, it's you. like it, it brings down the movie to me. Where it's like, okay. and like I said, it's like it, it still gives me the little like tingling feel. Where it's like, okay, like yeah, Batman and Catwoman are fighting together. That's really cool. And I think they really nailed their chemistry and everything. And yeah, I think. That, I mean. I don't think Christopher Nolan ever, like, does romance particularly well in his movies. It's like, it wasn't a big, like, emphasis on this, but it's like... But that's why I actually think I like this romance. I actually do have a problem with how they treated sort of the Miranda Tate-Talia romance thing. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Jesus. Um, Sex scene came out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, I know. But we'll talk about that. With this, though, what I liked is that there wasn't a big focus on it. It was just subtle. There yeah, but it's just like... kindred spirits. They they work together and they wind up sort of liking each other. Yeah, but it's like to, but it's like to me, like, especially coming from like the comic books and the animated series, the Batman-Catwoman relationship is really, really complex. And yeah. so it's like, if you're... And it's obviously there's no real place to do it in this movie because this movie's chock full of stuff. Like, yeah. in my opinion, too chock full of stuff. And so it's like... But it's like you lose kind of, to me, like... It's just, like, kind of, like, there needs to... I, if they do another Batman movie, they do another. Like, I would like to see Batman and Catwoman as, like, a focus of their own movie. Because I think it could, like, their relationship can really drive that. Okay. Where it's, like... But this one, it's, like... Yeah, it's, like, I like Catwoman. I think some of her one-liners and her quips were kind of... Were, weren't particularly good and felt out of place. But overall, I thought Anne Hathaway did a good job. It's, like, I thought her role in the movie was well done. And I, I overall liked her. Okay. No, I really, really... I, I think... Between the, my favorite part of the movie was either her character or, and we'll transition to this, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's. I really liked John Blake. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they would have just named him Dick Grayson. I, I'm totally... Uh, I mean, that's my biggest problem with the character. It's that they just didn't know how to handle the him really kind of being Robin thing. Where it's like... Well, but they weren't the, trying to make him Robin. They were trying to make him Batman. Well, successor. he was Robin. Right. Literally, he was Robin. I know. But I, Which is fucking stupid. I wish they hadn't done that <laughs> that one line, but again. <laughs> so fucking stupid. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, I mean, I, yeah, I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, so I mean, he, 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 fill, he fulfilled basically what would be the Robin role. Yeah. And but I like that. I think they did a really good job showing how this, you know, younger man who was a kid when Batman sort of came in to Gotham uh, was affected by Batman's sort of mythology and everything and how he's 
been sort of inspired by Batman, and just that you know John Blake is a really good man who can, as as the movie goes on, Bruce Wayne continually sees this is the guy who could take up my mantle, mm-hmm. and I think that was I really liked that. I really liked how they end the movie with him finding the Batcave. Yeah, I, I like that too. Yeah. It's just like, there's one thing that's like really, okay, there are two things that bug me, we kind of touched on like the Robin thing, but the scene where he says he knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. That's a great scene! How the fuck does he know? They never, it's like, he's like, well, you lost your parents, it's like, I can see the mask on your face, it's like, it's like, yes, and when he's out in public, he pretends to be more happy than he really is. How does that make him Batman? Like, there's no... How the fuck does he know he's Batman? Like, they could have... It's like they had this really well-written speech, and it was, like, really eloquent and poetic. It's like, how do you know that he's Batman, though? It's like, I get I get this. You have this connection with him because you're an orphan and he's an orphan, and, like, you can see that in him. It's like, how the fuck do you know that he's Batman, then? Why would you think that he's Batman? I didn't... I, I made sense to me, but... Explain it to me, then! How does he know he's Batman? What about... What... How? I think I just think the text of the speech says it. He's, I mean, you're talking about the mask thing. I think that's the point, is that he's saying, I can tell that's not really you, and I can connect that back to Batman. I think it's more what he says how, in the beginning of the speech. He doesn't does tie it back he, around. How does that mean that he's Batman? That doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, I can, I can see that he would understand that Bruce Wayne puts on a public face. That doesn't mean that he's Batman. That doesn't even approach maybe, that he's Batman. There's no John, reason to suspect. Maybe John Blake Batman. just likes taking leaps of logic. It turns out he's right this time. I don't know. Yeah, it's it, just like that. Just like felt really weird. Just like how the fuck do you know that he's Batman? Okay, but anyway, that, that doesn't with, make any sense. But with the John Blake character, I think he's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Just for almost for reasons I can't really explain. It's just that he's a really pleasant character to watch. I mm-hmm. think he operates in this world really well. And uh, it's, apparently, he's it's, fucking Sherlock Holmes. Because he's very smart, you know? He can figure this stuff out. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, but but no, I really liked watching him. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt hit it out of the park. And it is a, sort of a part of the movie where it's hard to sort of critically analyze every reason I love that character. It just it all came together, and I think it's cool to see them sort of have this original character, or semi-original character, mm-hmm. that integrates into this world so well. And uh, especially I liked a lot of his interactions with uh, Gary Oldman. Yeah. Just really good stuff. So, and then I think are there any other significant new characters that we didn't? Oh, Marion Cotillard as Miranda Tate. I kind of want to start at the end with this. We both did. You predict she was Talia the first time you saw her because I sure as hell did. It's like the sex scene. I was like, why the fuck are they having? She's Talia. Yeah, that's that was Talia. That was it for me because they already brought up the League of Assassins. So it's like, oh, okay, now she's Talia. And I was positive when they said. When Bruce was like, "Oh, so Bane is Batman's child?" I'm like, "No, they're gonna. Bane's not not or Bane is not Ra's al Ghul's child. It's Ra's al Ghul's. It's Talia. You, you're, they're not gonna stray that far. It's yeah. Talia. They have they have this woman. We don't know who she is yet. They, they did not. I know they did not hire Marion Cotillard to play this bit part. <laughs> She's Talia. You know. Yeah. But but the scene where she reveals, I actually think, is a really good scene. And uh, I like how yeah. they use her in the end. But. but it's like, but then, like, the problem is, like, they just throw her in at the end, which kind of makes Bane feel less significant, because it's like, well, so it's like, what was Bane's actual role in this plan? Was he just the enforcer? Did he actually come up with the plan? It's like, I, so I it's think, like, to me, I just read it as she wanted this done, and he was the general who figured out all the logistics and Yeah, it's like, it's him. like, but it's like, it's really open up to interpretation, because they never really... Okay. Because it kind of felt to me like Talia was the master force behind the whole plan when she, okay. like, comes out at the end. But it's like, but then it's just like, they never, since they had her come out as the villain at the end, they didn't ever really do anything with Talia. Like, she's just like, oh, I'm the villain, I'm gonna stab you, 
And then I'm not going to kill you right now because James Bond movie shit. It's like, now I'm going to leave and then I'm going to die five minutes later. It's like, okay, hi, Talia. Bye, Talia. <laughs> I, I guess I was glad you were in the movie. No, and it's not... I guess it's a, a thing for me where I was fine with it because I... I I don't need them to do the big Talia Al Ghul movie or anything. Yeah, but it's but, just it just like it felt like she was really undercooked as a villain because they okay. they just used her as a twist villain and that was it. I don't think it's just a twist. I actually think there's a thematic point there, which is that if if you know Bane is a monster, and for Bane to do monstrous things, that's not surprising. That's who he is. That's the archetypical role he fulfills. But when you have a woman who could be literally, I mean, this is Marianne Cotillard playing the role, so so Miranda Tate or whatever you want to call her, she could be anything in the world. She could be a great person. She could be an admirer admired person, all these things, and she chooses to be the person who destroys Gotham and tries to wipe out evil that way, and I think that's the point there, is they're saying that that's how desperate the world has become, and that's the sort of thematic point Talia fulfills there. I didn't see any of that. Okay. Like, that, I don't see any of that tied into Talia at all. Okay. Like, I mean, maybe it's just because of my history with the character in the comic books, but it's like, it also just felt like they didn't do anything with her, but you don't know anything about her being Talia other than that she's Raish's daughter. Like, you don't really know much well, about her. she was born in the pit. And oh, okay, well, she was, yeah, she was born in the pit, but it's like, you don't know anything that happened with her after, because she got out of the pit when she was, like, six years old. So it's like... Well, then she went and found her father, and uh, Bane was excommunicated, and she and her father hung out and stuff, they said, you know. It's just like, you, know. it's like, no, it's just like, you don't, you know nothing about her really as Talia. Like, there's no, okay. she doesn't do anything as Talia as a my, character, so it's like, my bigger kind of just like... My bigger problem is when she's Miranda Tate and they have the sex scene that comes out of nowhere. That's just like, and that's what I'm saying where it's like Christopher Nolan just, his movies just aren't sexy. Like, they don't have that aspect to them. They don't feel like movies that should really have romances in them almost at all. Well, here's the funny thing. I, I wonder what this says about Christopher Nolan that by far the best romance in one of his movies is the one between Dom Cobb and his dead wife in Inception. It's the yeah. only one that really like hits me, but that's because, I mean, she's imaginary. You don't even re- see yeah. the real um, Mal in that movie, but that re- that works, but it's not a real romance. It's a, yeah. it's an angst thing. So he has to, I think for Christopher Nolan, he has to turn romance into psychological turmoil for yeah. it to work. It's like, and to me, that's like my biggest problem, because a lot of people say it's like Christopher Nolan needs to direct a James Bond movie, and that's like the only thing that's like, James Bond movies have like this like sexy aspect to them, and I, Christopher Nolan, none of his movies have ever like Captured that it's like I'm not he saying could he could do it, but yeah, I'm not saying that he can't. It's just like they haven't, and so it's like, so with like Bruce and Talia just have sex out of fucking nowhere. It's like there's no chemistry between the two characters. There's like kind of like some characters hint at Bruce that they want Bruce to get together with her, but there's it never really felt like they had like a prior relationship. No, and then she's just like, like they just like they needed to develop that more. And it's... It's just, like, have sex. It's just, like... Well, it's sort of weird, because I can see I can see Bruce Wayne doing that with just some random chick, but this is, like, an important character. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't... And it wasn't just, like, Bruce Wayne... Being getting, a playboy. And, and even then, Bruce Wayne wouldn't do that. No, like, probably he, not. Like, yeah, he, he wouldn't just have sex with some random girl because he's a playboy. Like, he, he would kind of give that, like, aura off and, like, have yeah. that sort of public face, but he wouldn't actually do it. So it's, like... It's, like, why are you doing this with this character? Like, it seems yeah. like it should be something really, really important. This like all of a sudden you're having sex with this character. It's like, I mean, I'm like, why the? It's Talia. Oh, okay, I yeah. get because this is Talia. They have to have that at least a little bit, I guess. Because right. It's like one of the most important aspects of her character is her relationship with Batman. Right. Bruce Wayne. So, no, I, I think that's that's probably where I have more problems with the movie than anywhere else. But it's I still like how it's handled at the end. I guess. 
So that's what I would say about that. Are there any other significant characters? Oh, Matthew Modine is in this movie. Did he do anything for you? No, I don't even know. Which which one was Sergeant Foley. He's the guy who's Gordon's friend. Who obviously was going to die at the end of the movie. Uh, I mean... Okay. He was just there kind of like as a generic, like, Dennis Leary character. Okay. He he could have been Captain Stacy for all I care. Like, it's like... It was just like sort of I, I did kind there. of like giving a sort of just sort of career street cop perspective in the movie, or just I mean they didn't devote too much time to it or anything. Yeah, just, have, just like having it and having a good actor there to do it. Just yeah, he just felt like yeah. a character there. Okay. Like, didn't have an, leave an impression on me. Okay, that's fine. He didn't really leave much of an impression on me either, but it's notable. So we've talked about all the characters and the story and stuff. Uh, let's talk about the ending. So Batman flies the nuke over. He escapes. We think, right? Yeah. I, it's like, some people are saying that the ending is ambiguous. That's no. not an ambiguous ending no. at all. I don't know how people are seeing that. No. Spinning top is ambiguous. This is <laughs> yeah, not. this is not fucking an ambiguous ending at all. No. And does that bother you? Did, did you like the ending? I really loved the ending. I did not like... I, I like the ending less and less the more I think about it. Why? Because they gave Bruce Wayne a happy ending. That's fucked up. Oh. That does. That's, like, so against Batman, it, like, hurts me a little bit. Well, what's... But Bruce Wayne does not get a happy ending. Okay. That does not... It's like, that does not get to happen to Batman. Like, that's just like... That's just like really... But he's not me. Batman I, anymore. But he's Bruce Wayne. Like, how the fuck is he going to live a life? And like... Like, dude, Batman doesn't just like... Stop being Batman without there being like a huge, huge reason. Like, his best friend dying and like sacrificing himself, Harvey Dent. Or in, in Batman Beyond... Bruce Wayne's really battered and beaten and old, and he has to. He gets to the point where he has. He's forced to use it to threaten someone with a gun to save someone else's life, and that's why he stops being Batman. Batman Beyond, and then he's like shattered and broken and alone and just tragic and sad for the rest of his old life. It's like that's Bruce Wayne. Batman does not get a happy ending. Like that's not the ending to that story, and so I find it really. And it doesn't feel like it should have been the ending to this version of Batman either. Like it felt like. Batman should have died, like, and Bruce Wayne. Like, it felt like he should have sacrificed himself at the end of the movie. But the themes about of this movie are about rising above one's own inner turmoil. And it's and okay, it's, and it's but it's and most people are saying this online. And this is my point: is that Batman's life is defined by tragedy, and it's okay for a movie or a story to have certain themes, and then for the protagonist to fail those themes because that's what makes a protagonist tragic most of the time. It's failing the themes of the story and dying or, like, living a terrible life as a result of that. You can have themes and then have the protagonist fail those themes and it's still okay. And in my opinion, it would make a more compelling story for Batman. Because Batman's this sort of very dark, film noirish character. And it's like, he doesn't get to have a happy ending. Just like, I mean, that might just be me, but that really bugs me the more and more I think about that ending. I, I, I kind of agree if I were viewing this as just a strict Batman adaptation, but as the third film in Christopher Nolan's Batman series, it makes perfect even, sense to me. Even even as that, it doesn't. Like, even okay. as that, it still feels like that character shouldn't be able to have a happy life. Especially not, like, they even kind of imply, because Selina Kyle's in there in that, like, in the, like, that shot. It's like, so it kind of implies that they got together, and it's like, why would they, like... It's like, they, I mean, I... I guess well, they have a of, bit of an attraction. Well, I mean, there's all this stuff about having a fresh start, and they both need one, and they're together. And it's, I, that, I never questioned that, though. They I, that never bothered me. I mean, I just felt like it's like I just didn't feel like those characters would like really stick together after like because I get that they had the whole thing where he had like the super miraculous tech device or whatever that like erases you from the yeah. 
the stuff and that's what they use to get away. It's like, I get that. But it's like, they wouldn't stay together after that. Like, Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle, it's like, that's, that, especially not those versions of those characters. It's like, there's no real reason to. I don't feel I mean, she kisses him right before he gets in and sacrifices himself. It's Catwoman. She kisses everybody. Okay. It's like in Arkham City, she kisses people as like one of her combo moves. Which is my favorite combo move in that game. It's awesome. (laughs) This is like, this is like, there's no significance to me to Selena Kyle kissing somebody. But yeah, it's just like, I just really don't feel that that's, that just like feels, it just feels disingenuous to me, to both the property and even the movies themselves. I just don't feel that Bruce... I mean, it felt right that Batman would die, or and Bruce Wayne, that they would die at the end of the movie. Like, that's... Like, because they were building that up, it's like, felt like, yeah, that makes sense to me, that they that he would actually die, and that he wouldn't get away, and one, abandon his responsibilities as Batman, which Batman would also never do, but... And then just go live out his life in, like, some countryside with Selena Kyle. Like, it's like... That wouldn't happen. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. And I think that actually is why a lot of people are saying it's an ambiguous ending, because they don't want that to be the actual ending to the movie, and they're kind of reaching for something, but they also are ridiculous Christopher Nolan Batman movie fanboys, so they can't just admit that that was a poor decision to end the movie that way, so they're like, but I it was ambiguous. Okay, and I mean, I, I don't think it was a poor decision, I really liked that ending, it, it moved me, I thought it was good, it made sense, I've, you know, written a big article about where why I think that makes sense, it, you know, uh, I think it works really well, and I think... I think Christopher Nolan is probably more optimistic than some people give him credit for in the other movies in terms of sort of how he ends stories and stuff. Even The Dark Knight is not a happy ending, but it's... it's well, I mean, probably... it turns out basically a happy ending because, like, Batman won. He beat yeah. organized crime at the end of that movie, apparently, given the beginning of yeah. Dark, Knight, Dark Knight Rises. But, you know, um, it made sense to me. I think it's completely consistent with the themes of what the movie is about, and he's, you know... Like he does it's not... just, it makes more sense to me that Batman would... Fail those okay. If, so that he uh, well, I mean, if you like, want to get really analytical, I think Bruce Wayne is dead, and he's starting his life over as someone else. But it's and, like that's a fucking cop out. It's like I'm saying he he wouldn't be able to leave Batman behind like that. It's like he either like doesn't be Batman, and he's like the beginning of Dark Knight Rises, and he's just like alone, and he's battered, and he's just like he dejects himself from like any sort of life at all, or he's Batman. Like he doesn't have any other choices at this point to me. Like, I think he does because like, of the journey he went on, th- went through on this in this movie, which is you know about spiritual healing, and that's the sort of thrust of the second act is him in that pit having to fix himself before he can go fix Gotham. And I think if he's fixed and he knows he's you know symbolically inspired Gotham, he has a successor. Batman is bigger than him at this point. He can walk away from that. And I think that's the journey of the trilogy is him being able to heal himself because you start with the first scene of Batman Begins. You know, worst tragedy that could ever befall, you know, a human being young. Well, not ever. Yeah. I mean, he could get killed and other things could happen. Or, or his parents could get killed and, you know, other things. But yeah. but his parents are killed, psychological trauma, and it's a, you know, three-film journey to try to overcome that psychological drama and be whole again. And I think the point of that ending is that he's found a way to try to be, you know, to be whole, not to be broken or splintered anymore. And I do absolutely agree with what you're saying, that it, just because there are themes there, they doesn't have to fulfill them. But this felt like an organic fulfillment of those themes to me. And I think we are approaching the character, though, from very different angles here. Yeah, it's so, like, to me, it's like, that's, at least to me, I mean, I, I know that it's like, like it's just a very different interpretation of Batman. But that is, having having Bruce Wayne have a happy ending is so disingenuous to the Batman character to me that it's like, that's, 
that's re that's almost like a betrayal of of Batman to me. Like that's really okay. really against what Batman is. And so it's like that's like and that's why I really take issue with that. Even if it's like it's really hard for me to just completely deject that my that my experiences with the character and my feelings for the character from the movie because it's a Batman movie. No, I understand. So, all right. So we've talked about the characters and the ending and everything. Uh, I really liked the ending. You're more ambivalent on it. But how do you think overall this this structurally and everything just works as the end of a trilogy? Does do you think it succeeds well? And yeah, I think okay. especially especially how it ties into Batman Begins. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it works well. Okay. I do too, and I think it, I just really am impressed, and it actually makes me like all the movies and this movie more now that the story's over and we have it to look at, mm-hmm. and that they've made a, just a really solid three-part blockbuster trilogy, which you can count on two fingers the times that's been done. I mean, it's it's really rare. I mean, I think, to me, this is a stronger sort of conclusion than, I'd say, Return of the Jedi for Star Wars. Maybe it's the yeah. Star Wars... I think Return of the Jedi probably has higher highs in yeah. terms of an emotional closing, but... You know, um, this one also doesn't have Ewoks, so... Yeah, but it also doesn't have a really awesome lightsaber fight at the end. This is true. It's like, it also doesn't, like... Although, I mean, I guess they do both have incredibly implausible climactic war scenes. For It's like, <laughs> the Ew- in the Return of the Jedi, the Ewoks beat the Stormtroopers. Like, there's no way that would happen in this. The police just run up and start punching people who have assault rifles. No. That would never work. But anyway, what I'm just saying is that I think this is, to me, a quality-wise, a consistent trilogy with a you know sort of ongoing thematic and character arcs where each movie has its own feeling and story and stuff, but they all play together. And I think now that they're all out, I just think it's one of the most impressive feats of blockbuster filmmaking ever to be able to do this with this amount of creative freedom and, and daring. And, I mean, obviously, I think... I do agree. The Christopher Nolan fanboys give these movies too much credit, but there's fanboys like that for everything. Yeah. But and it's like they are really, they are really annoying. They are really and, annoying for and, these ones. And I say that as someone who would probably put Christopher Nolan in I would he would be in my top ten directors. No problem no questions. I really love him as a filmmaker. I, I'm not gonna go to the degree they you know, some people go to. All I'm trying to say is I think that for movies of this this budget and this popularity to be as artistic and sort of focused as they are and dark and and you know, just just different from the mainstream, and they never feel like they're pandering for the commercial. That's really impressive to me, and I think it's whether you really like these movies a lot or not. I think that's something to be happy about that that can still happen in Hollywood. You know, yeah. Because I mean, I even think I really like the Amazing Spider-Man. There's there's a lot of that about that movie where you know there's just things they can't overcome commercial decisions. You yeah. know, and there's a lot of movies like that. So X-Men First Class even suffered from some of the same ideas, I think. And that's a movie that pretty well overcame commercial problems. But Yeah. Yeah. So those are the Batman movies. I last want to talk about some technical stuff in this movie. Okay. Looks fucking amazing. I cannot yeah. overstate what a technical marvel this movie is, especially if you see it in IMAX. And if all you have near you is a digital IMAX theater, that's the way to see it. But if you can find a real IMAX theater that has the actual big, big screen, the, like, 10-story screen, and is projected on IMAX 70 millimeter. You'll see it referred to online sometimes as 1570 PERF, that's the abbreviation of perforations, because a piece of IMAX film, uh, it's, it's likely bigger than the computer screen you own in your house, of the actual frame of IMAX. It's, it's huge. And projected like that, and over 70 minutes of this movie is full IMAX. It's in, it's, I've, I have literally seen nothing like this ever. Even though I saw The Dark Knight projected in 1570 also, they've made such massive advancements in how to shoot on IMAX for this movie, where 
I actually honestly don't know how they crop it for the 35mm version because so many of the IMAX scenes, they're using the full height of the frame. Especially the Bane-Batman fight we talked about. Mm -hmm. So, And I just think they do really dynamic stuff with how they frame an IMAX. And then the actual 35mm footage looks great too. Wally Feister is a genius cinematographer. Yeah. And really good stuff there. And I think you didn't like the sort of logic behind the police fight war scene and everything. Yeah. I mean, but, it was it, still, it looked nice, but yeah. it was a stupid scene. Well, I'm just saying there's so many cool th- things like that where in any other movie that would all be done CGI and yeah. you would have... But Christopher Nolan did almost everything in this movie practically. There are really 11,000 extras in the football scene. There's really thousands of extras in that police uh, Bane's forces fight scene. And, and just I think there's so many amazing action scenes in this. The end of the movie just feels so epic to me and big. Like the scene where Batman is trying to chase down the nuclear bomb through the city on IMAX where it's so big you can't even see it all with your, you know, the space your eyes can see. It's just amazing. So if you can see it in IMAX 1570, absolutely do that. It's one of the most impressive experiences ever. And I think the last thing about technical I would like to say is Hans Zimmer's score is fucking incredible for this movie. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always liked his scores. For I do movies. too. Yeah, and and this time he's he does it solo. The last two he was working with James Newton Howard. This is just Hans Zimmer this time. But I think this is possibly. I don't think this is. I still think the Dark Knight score is the better one because it's got. I love the Joker theme and sort of the sweet day on the soundtrack to that, and then some of the other music. But this has really good stuff in it. The the Bane theme we played at the beginning is a really cool piece. Yeah, so. I, I just love. It's just like really builds up and like it really pounds on you when they get that going and it they build over the course of the movie too because yeah. it starts pretty small and by the end it's just it's apocalyptic in the size of the music and i love that and i i do think one of the most impressive things about this trilogy is that they had the same composer for all three developing the same themes and so it had there's this musical continuity to it that a lot of series don't have because the composer will leave halfway through or something that's part of the power of this trilogy um, I really do love this music, and I think it's impossible to compare to like what Danny Elfman did with the Tim Burton Batman movies because they're, they're very, very different. different. Yeah, but this is probably still my favorite Batman movie score. Um, my favorite probably Batman music overall is actually probably going to be the animated series where they mix Danny Elfman and then Shirley MacLaine yeah. and her stuff. That to me defines Batman music. Yeah, there's but yeah, but just in terms of that. score, like technical power, the Hans Zimmer stuff for this trilogy is incredible. So. Yeah. Yep. And the soundtrack album for this movie is crap because it includes only 50 minutes and this is a three hour movie. Why? Why are you making a 50 minute soundtrack? It's all digital now. <laughs> you could release three, you could release every note recorded and it wouldn't hurt anything. I'd pay for it, you know? Yeah. God. I, I don't like it when they do that. Like, for The Dark Knight, I know they eventually went back and released all the stuff they didn't have on the soundtrack and maybe they'll do that for Rises. I hope so. I mean,. It's made enough fucking money, you can do that, I think. It's not a financial risk. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I don't understand why they do stuff like that. Yeah, especially now, because like, they still confine scores to CD lengths. No one buys CDs! I love that. How you, you can, you'll even have like someone release a digital-only album, and it will still be about the length of what a CD could hold. It's like, right. do, you, do you understand how digital works? You do realize you're not confined to physical media anymore. The only soundtrack I've really seen, like, movie score where they've just abandoned that idea is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score for the David Fincher movie. They did the full score, that was the album, and it's like three and a half hours long. And they did everything they recorded, not just what's in the movie. That's the way to do it. Yeah. You know? And like, feel, who cares about the CD release? I, can, I went to Best Buy yesterday because I was thinking about picking up the CD of this just to have it because I have the other two CDs might complete my collection. Yeah. 
They don't. They don't sell it. You can't <laughs> buy soundtracks in Best Buy anymore. They don't have them. So where am I supposed to buy the CD if this is what you're making it for? You know. I'm with you, man. Yeah. Like, so I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you. Yeah. Anyway, but anything else to say about the Dark Knight Rises? Uh, no. I mean, I guess we didn't really talk that much about the fact that Joseph Gordon-Levitt like the Robin thing at the end. Yeah. That's like. I don't like. I don't love that moment. It doesn't ruin anything for me. But it's <laughs> like a really stupid idea because it's like it's like I keep on mulling it over in my head because it's like it's obvious that that's there for the fans, right? Because yeah. it's like okay, this John Robin Blake. It's like they reveal okay, your, his actual name is Robin. It's like he's Robin. Hey, so it's like that's there for the fans. I actually think it's less for the fans than for people who didn't get it already. Like that, this is. I I, I I mean that doesn't make any sense to me either. Okay. Like that's also a really stupid reason because then it's like right. it doesn't. You don't need to. You don't need to point out that he's like Robin in the movie like that because that's not important. No. So but so it's like I take it as it's like it's supposed to be kind of like for the fans. It's like ah, it's Robin. It's supposed to be like almost because like the Marvel movies do this a lot, and I think they do it really well where they'll throw in just a little something for the comic book fans. It's like hey, that's awesome. Like, they'll throw Thanos in at the end of Avengers. It's like, if you're a comic book fan, you'll know who Thanos is the minute you see him. But if you're not a comic book fan, you'll you'll have no fucking clue, and the movie doesn't care that you wouldn't. <laughs> Whereas this movie, it's like, they'll throw in a thing for the fans where they'll say, oh, your actual name's Robin. And But instead of saying, oh, your actual name's Dick Grayson or Tim Drake, right. like an actual Robin name, which any fan would know all the Robin names. Yes. It's like, so it's like... It's obvious that they said Robin so that the people who don't know who Dick Grayson or Tim Drake are would be like, oh, it's Robin because everyone knows about Robin. So it's like, but they're not the comic book fans, so why did you throw in something for the comic book fans but make it different so that people who aren't comic book fans would get it? That's exactly my dilemma with Yeah, it's just like, just what you could just like, I mean, although it's like my funny way of like having it rewritten which wouldn't work, but it's like, it's like, oh yeah, that's not my real name. It's like, oh. So I see why you don't use your real name, Dick. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't really go by Dick anymore. Yeah, and I do think if they just wanted to do the little name homage, they could have just named the character Tim Drake or yeah. Dick Grayson, and, and that would have been fine. And, and you know, the people who get it get it, and the people who don't don't, and it doesn't affect the movie in any way. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, I don't mind that he's named John Blake or anything. The name doesn't matter. It's, yeah, it's like, and it's like I, I would have actually preferred if they didn't, if like either you were going to say that his actual name was Dick Grayson, or it's like, that would have been kind of cool. I would have been fine with that. Or you don't even make any reference to the Robin thing at all and just leave him as being the next Batman. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's obvious, like, within the context of the movie, he's not going to dress up like Robin. No. I don't think he's even going to do Nightwing. He's going yeah. to be Batman. Like, that's what it seems like he's basically saying. When right. he goes into the Batcave. So it's like, why would you do that? That was just so yeah. stupid to me. I don't like that moment either. But anyway, uh, what positive note can we end the discussion on? Because this was a largely positive discussion. No, no. Did, uh, did you want to talk about the possibility of reboot? Yeah, but I did one my last positive oh. about Dark Knight Rises. Okay. Um, uh, do you still hate the title? It's, I still don't think it's a good title. Okay. I mean, it's still it's just like... It's just like, it's so confusing. It's like, I can't tell you how many times I've accidentally called this movie The Dark Knight Returns. I know. It's just like, I mean, you, you could have named it like Ashes of Gotham or something. Like, well, like There are like thousands of different titles you could yeah, pick the, that would work for the movie. Uh, Hit Fix's critic, Drew McWeeny, his, his suggestion, he liked the title, but he said it could have just have been easily, they just call it Gotham City. That would be an interesting idea because it is the story of yeah, the city. I, 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 I think it would have been wrong, but I mean, it's like I think you could like have Gotham be in the title would have like worked well, yeah. but it's like just calling Gotham City, I wouldn't have liked that. No, it's like but, 
Yeah, I still don't like The Dark Knight Rises as a title. Okay. I like it, but I, it's, it's just the title. Whatever. Yeah. So anyway, we both liked this movie. I think, I think the movie should have been called Basra Basra Deshe Deshe. That would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we both loved this movie, or I loved it, you liked it strongly. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good movie. Okay. So, has some problems, but yep. I think it probably has more problems than any of the other ones, but it's still, there's enough really good stuff in the okay. movie. And I would say, I guess, I like it more than Batman Begins, just because, again, the characters and the antagonists are so much more interesting to me, whereas Scarecrow, I actually like their interpretation of Scarecrow fine. Yeah, but it's like they don't really do much with them, and also their version of Ra's al Ghul seems kind of, since they don't do the Lazarus pit, it's like, it's not really, it's like Ra's it doesn't really need to be Ra's al Ghul, because there's nothing about him that's like, that's Ra's al Ghul. Right. I mean, they don't even fucking call him Ra's al Ghul. They call him, why do they do that? In, In Batman Begins, they called him Ra's al Ghul, and then they did it in this one again. It's like, that's not how you pronounce the fucking name. Right. And in the language it's supposed to be, it's still Raish, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Raish. That's yeah. that's the fucking name. It's Raish Al Ghul. Yeah. It means the demon's head. It's like yeah. fucking that's his name. It's like I, I it just well, drives me insane every time they say it. It's I think it's probably Christopher Nolan and the majority of the cast and crew are British and British people tend to just pronounce things through an English filter. Yeah, fuck them. I, I agree. I, that's a dumb thing to do. It's just, it's you know, it's a cultural thing from the filmmakers, but I, I wish it was Raish. Because... Yeah, it's just like, because every time, I mean, like, almost nobody's going to, like, notice it, but yeah. it's like, the people that do, it's just like, why the fuck? It's like, why are you pronouncing his name? It would be like if everyone called him Batman instead of Batman. It's just like, why are you doing that? Anyway, all right. So we've uh, let's let's actually end this discussion. We both like Dark Knight Rises. What we want to talk about now a little bit, that just for a fun discussion, is we both know everybody knows Warner Brothers is going to reboot this at some point, and yeah. probably sooner than later. I would just as soon they hold off, not like forever, like for fifteen years, but just for a little while because there's going to be a shadow over this, and I think mostly I just want them to hold off long enough that whatever filmmaker comes in next doesn't feel beholden to this franchise. Yeah, because. One of why Batman is is my favorite comic book character easily, or one one of my favorite pop culture characters. Absolutely, is just he is so interpretive, and you can do so many things with him that all feel right to me. And uh, you know, there's just lots of versions of Batman I I like, and I've I've read and I've watched and stuff. And I think that's really interesting. And obviously, there are wrong ways to do it. Joel Schumacher, <laughs> really really wrong ways. But I I am interested in the idea of if they get a really good filmmaking team together with a really strong vision. To do it, and my suggestion, and I think Sean, you agree with this, is get Paul Dini and the animated series guys, and whoever worked on those great Arkham games, let them make a fucking movie. Yeah, no, give them two hundred million and let them make Arkham Asylum the movie or whatever they want to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm totally with you. Have Paul Dini write the next Batman movie. It's gonna be great. Yeah, that's like that would be my dream. If they don't do that, I would be disappointed. Actually, yeah, Just, there's so many routes they could go with that. Because what what was sort of revolutionary about the Arkham games to me? is that they took every the foundation of the animated series, which was dark but still kid-friendly, yeah. and they made it adult. Yeah. And, and really adult. And that could be a great a, a movie that you could release. And actually, they would have to tone it down a tiny bit, because that would not be a PG-13 movie. Yeah. Um, especially some of the stuff with like the Joker at the end of Arkham City. Yeah. You could never do, but still. Um, and, and I think what we love about the animated series take and the video game take in particular for me is that it, it it doesn't feel heightened comic booky in the way maybe Superman does or anything, yeah. but it's still heightened enough that they can get away with things while still feeling emotionally and thematically. Yeah, it's like realistic. they can it's like they can do Mister Freeze 
and make him a really good character. Yes. Where it's like the Christopher Nolan movies, if you tried to throw Mr. Freeze in there, it would, it would never work. It right. would completely fall apart. Yeah. So, and I think there are ways to do... Because I think people have this weird idea about comic book, I'm, I'm air-quoting Batman, that they think that's Adam West. No. no. Comic book Batman is never silly. It's just that... Well... Okay, he can be silly. It's but. like, it depends... Once again, it's like... Batman has been in comic books since like the early 40s. It's yes. like, there are a lot of really silly Batman right. fighting alien stories out there. But you know what I mean. And sort yeah. of the general acceptance. Yeah, it's like ever since like the mid-80s, since like Frank Miller with like Year One and all that stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah. Batman has, he still lives in a comic book universe because, I mean, he's still like one of the founding members of the fucking Justice League. He's yeah. best friends with Superman. So it's like... Well, and Warner Brothers know. has talked about wanting to do a Justice League movie, so I hope that's incentive for them to get Paul Dini and the animated crew because they could make a great... Their, their Justice League cartoon is the best version. Like, all the DC animated stuff, like the Paul Dini DC animated stuff, is the best version of all those characters. Their Batman's the best version of Batman there's been. Superman's the best version of Superman. Justice League's the best version of Justice League. And all the characters are the best version of those characters that have been done. It's yeah. like... It's like... Because, because those people took all the best aspects of their various different comic book forms and then sort of mold them together into, like, the pure essence of those characters. So it's like, yes. get Paul Dini and those guys and Bruce Timm and, like, have them make a really awesome... Just, like, have them do all, write all the DC movies and, like, do yeah. production design for all the DC movies. It's just like, they have proven that they can do the best stuff with that universe. I agree. And, and again, you can they could make a Batman who is... Not too outlandish that audiences won't accept him, but enough that you could do a Justice League movie with him, you know? Yeah, you can... Th it's like, what, what I want to do, I want them to have Robin and do Robin well. Yeah. Like, actual Robin. Because I am sick and tired of people shitting on Robin because they think he's... It's, they do it with Superman, too. They just think it's like, oh, because, like, the concept is kind of silly. That it's like, this is automatically a terrible character. It's like... Robin is a really good character. You lose so much to, of Batman when you don't have a Robin or a Nightwing in there. It's like right. the Bat family is a huge part of Batman's character. And I think so could... sick of people being like Robin's just stupid. Robin's terrible. You can't do Robin and, and make him good. And fuck you, people. It's like it's just like make a good movie that has Robin in it. I agree. And those are the people who have never seen Robin's Reckoning, the two-part, you know, animated series episode. Yeah. Where, watch that. You will never say another bad thing about Robin in your fucking life. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I'm not saying that Robin should be a 12-year-old, but it's like you can have like a 16 to 18-year-old Robin and yeah. it would make more sense than having like a 30-year-old guy being Batman. Well, to be honest, I think some of the John Blake material in Dark Knight Rises proves that there are concepts there that can very easily be done in, yeah. even in a real-world context. Because, you know, Christopher Nolan two films ago with Batman Begins was saying he would never do anything like it. He's obviously warmed up to that because a lot of the ideas behind John Blake are things he previously rejected. Yeah, I mean, his backstory is almost exactly Tim Drake's backstory with like yeah. his mom dying and then his dad dying later and that stuff, other than him being a cop. Yeah. Obviously, Tim Drake was never that because he was like 14-year-olds when, when he became Robin. But it's like, yeah. yeah, Robin is a really good character and actually the story arc of Dick Grayson from becoming Robin to Nightwing and then eventually becoming Batman is like a perfect framework for a trilogy. It's like... Like, the Dick Grayson arc is one of, like, my favorite arcs in comic books. It's like, yeah. there's a lot of material there that people just ignore because they think Robin's just stupid. Yep. And I think the number one thing I want them to do in another movie, though, is don't do an origin story. That's yeah, don't, don't do, don't, it's like, I'm, I'm really sick of seeing all the origin stories. Like, Batman right. Begins did the Bruce Wayne origin stuff better than 
Like, I, I can't even imagine them doing it better. No. It's better than anything they've done in the comic books. I like that more than what yeah. they did in year one. So. Right. They, you can't top it. Don't try to. And I think the Arkham games proved that you can just enter a new universe. Because Arkham, I, I don't know if it's exactly the continuity of the animated series or it's, not. Well, but it's, it's not. It's I not. mean, it's like, it takes right. a lot of, like, sort of, like, the ideas right. and, like, obviously the voice actors. But do it like that, where you come in with a original Batman story and it's just pre-established and you still, there's some introduction to the universe. Yeah, it just, but, it just exists in a sort of basic Batman universe that you can just assume is there. Like, you yeah. don't have to... I mean, the animated series was like that, too. They didn't right. just... Like, the first episode is Batman fighting the Man-Bat. It's like, they don't even... They don't start off with having Bruce Wayne go through everything. It's right. like, people know who Batman is. They know who a lot of his villains are. Right. So and like, I think you if you're just, gonna, like, start with that. And I think, you know, obviously the origin was essential to what Christopher Nolan is doing. Yeah, this. that was the point of... The trilogy. Of the trilogy was... Yeah. yeah. But, you know, the next trilogy, that shouldn't be the point of it. Because yeah. there are other avenues to do. I mean, that's what's wonderful about Batman. is Christopher Nolan did all these things, and he didn't even scratch the surface. Nobody could yeah. in three movies. You have to... I mean, the animated series still has things left undone if you want to get really into it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, so, so I really think... I, I think the chance to reboot Batman and do it with sort of the animated series Paul Dini ideology behind it, I, they would be stupid not to do that. Yeah. But are there any other ideas? We've been focusing just on this for a reboot idea. Are there any other things you think could happen or you would enjoy seeing other than that? Uh, I have trouble thinking. Like, I mean, but. like I said, like I would, I would really like to see like the Robin stuff done. Um, I don't know. Like, I, it's just like to me, like that sort of animated series style of Batman is so much like the intrinsic yeah. Batman. It's like, and then like all of his appearances in comic books afterwards, which are like most of the really good ones. That it was very much informed by that inter interpretation, but I mean, yeah. I think they could do a lot of stuff with like, like I just keep on going back to Robin, but like the Jason Todd stuff where the Jason Todd Robin dies yeah. and like comes back later. Like they can do like there's a lot of story material that's like there to mine that that was impossible with the Christopher Nolan interpretation. Right, and I agree. Um, I mean, I mean you I, could I do know. a more detectivey style yeah. Batman. I would I would love to see Batman being a lot more intelligent because that's a huge piece of his character that's not touched on almost at all in these movies. Like, there's, like, one token scene in this one where he, like, dusts for fingerprints, or he, like, does the stuff with the fingerprints. It's like, yeah. that's, like, the only detective-y type thing he does. There's so many ways you could do it without overlapping at all with Christopher Nolan's interpretation. Yeah. Like, one of the biggest things they're going to be faced with, though, is um, if they ever want to do the Joker again, like, ten years from now, it's, it's got, Heath Ledger is so ingrained into culture right now yeah, that. I wouldn't even necessarily want to see another no. version of the Joker. Although, you know, one thing they could do, which would actually be really interesting, is they could adapt the uh, Court of Owls storyline that happened just very recently in the New 52 Batman comics. I've read the beginning of that. I haven't read the whole thing. They, it's really, really good. And it's okay. it's a really good Batman story that doesn't have a lot of... I mean, it's it's a completely original Batman story that doesn't need backstory and continuity. Yeah. I, I think that would actually be really cool. If well, they then, then you have a built-in title, too. You can just call it Batman the Court of Owls and release it. And yeah, it's, it's like, you know. I think that, that would be a really great story that you could adapt very easily. Yeah. So there's a lot of directions they could go. I know the number one director you want to see for it is Zack Snyder, right? <laughs> Sean hates Zack Snyder. I just wanted. Oh, I, I don't. I, I don't hate, hate the him, guy. It's just like yeah. it's, some of his directorial style. I don't particularly like. Oh, another he'd be, thing, I would be I would, wrong for Batman. That's yeah, all. I mean, I would also like to see Barbara Gordon slash Batgirl yeah. or Oracle get done. I think that that's yeah. also another. Like, I mean, all the, the those Bat Family characters that don't ever get like touched on that much in the movies. I mean, obviously, like the Joel Schumacher stuff did Batgirl and Robin, but um, not if they, well, if they do ever do a Joker. 
like new Joker kind of thing. I want them to do Harley Quinn, and I want her to be played by Alison Brie from Community. She sounds exactly like Arlene Sorkin. She would be perfect for it. Like I want that. If we're dreaming yeah. here, it's like I, I, I think it might be hard to do a live action Harley. Harley I know because then you get into sort of the darker implications there. And then yeah, you, I mean, there's this like, and it's just like Harley. Harley Quinn's such a cartoon. The, yeah, such the cartoon character to me that it's like it seems like it'd be really hard to. But at the same time, make her do live action stuff, right? And I, but I, and especially I would, her costume would look terrible in live action. I know. The only thing I will say is I would have said that one hundred percent until the Arkham games, and I know those are technically animated, but they, yeah. they're so much more sort of realistically animated. And when they did her, it, it surprised me how well she worked in that context. Yeah, I mean, they obviously had to change the costume, right? <laughs> it's like. And, and obviously go down a darker route with the character, but yeah, I mean, I and, and I, think, I I would I would love to see a really good Mister Freeze story, yeah. like kind of like the Heart of Ice animated series do that. stories. Those are really really awesome. And I mean, if they could, I, if they can rehabilitate Bane after what happened to him at Batman and Robin, they can rehabilitate Mister <laughs> Freeze, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, are there any actors you know of that you think could play Batman at this stage and? Kevin Conroy, like I, I, is he too old for live action? Batman? I, I, he, I, he's just he he's not like I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen like how he actually yeah. looks, but he doesn't look like okay. he doesn't look the part at all, which is too bad. But yeah, it's like I mean, I don't know. It's really hard for me to say. The, like, the only actor that that I've seen uh, that I've I've thought of that could do it, and he's too busy with other superhero things. Is Michael Fassbender? I think could make a really good dark Batman. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. Like yeah. it's like it's really hard for me to. Well, like, how much I, of I, Michael Fassbender's work have you seen? Because I mean, I, not that much. Okay, I, mean, I know from, most from Prometheus and X Men first. Right, and I'm thinking of different movies actually that I've seen him in, like Shame, which is the sex addiction drama he was in. I know Batman is not a sex addict, but he is a psychologically scarred individual, and Michael Fassbender is great at that. And I think you put his stature is right for it, and the voice. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy who would do it the Kevin Conroy style, where it's a very minor difference in voice but, yeah. between the two characters, but. I, I just all the actors of that age range though that I've seen suggested none of them are right for that to me. Yeah, it's just it's really. I mean, I, I would prefer to have someone that I don't really know yeah. play the part. It's well, Christian like, Bale was pretty much unknown before this, and that was kind of interesting because he was sort of a discovery in Batman mm-hmm. Begins. So yeah, it's like I mean, I, I'm not that tied into like the current movie scene that I'd be able to uh, right. pick out actors or directors or anything for yeah. another project. Well, and it's, it, I mean, it is weird because a lot of the, it kind of depends on also how old they're going to do Batman. I think if you're going to do sort of a pre-existing continuity, you want him more middle-aged than you want him young. Yeah, like 30-something. Yeah. Would... Probably where, I mean, Christian Bale's that age now, but when he started, you yeah. don't want him the age, right? like, everyone's trying to suggest actors who are the age Christian Bale was when he started, but that's wrong. It shouldn't be that age. Yeah. It should be like mid-30s, and I don't know. Nathan Fillion is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he... Nathan Fillion always does I know. Green Lantern voice work, so I, I think of him more as Hal Jordan. Even though I don't actually like Hal Jordan as a character. It would be, I love Nathan Fillion. It would be extremely Why do you distracting. always say yeah. his name like that? Everyone says his name no, like that. No, Nathan Fillion. It's Fillion. not Fillion. Okay, Fillion. There right? you go. Jesus, yeah. Right. He anyway. always puts such a weird emphasis on that. I'm just saying, all I'm saying is I could never take him seriously as Batman because I would be thinking of him making like Joss Whedon quips <laughs> in the background. But yeah, maybe he can be an Avengers too. Anyway, it, it is kind of interesting. Uh, do you ever think there will be a Batman who is, like, ingrained in the role the same way that, say, Robert Downey Jr. is for Iron Man? Uh, it's, it's it's hard for me to say. Is I, he I too know. oblique a character in some sense? I, I, th- I think, yeah, definitely Batman's a harder one to do. Also, just because Batman is such a multifaceted character that he's... 
to me, it's kind of the similar with Spider-Man, where he, as a character, doesn't lend himself to big movie stories, I feel. he's. Yeah. He, I think he works much better in episodic formats, like especially with like sort of his the detective side of him. So it's like... Right. That, that's, because the detective stuff's really hard to get across in a big movie. Right. But it's um, so, such an important piece of... I, he's from Detective Comics. He's a detective. That's what Batman is. No, I agree. And it's an interesting dilemma there. So... I mean, I think it would be really awesome to see like a... Batman T like a live action Batman TV show that could be cool just like the Adam West one just <laughs> yeah. I was just like there was a, I saw something really funny on Reddit where some guy and like it was like a Dark Knight Rises movie discussion and he said this is basically the ending to the movie and he posted the link and you click on it it takes you to YouTube and it was the Adam West Batman movie where there's a really famous scene in that where he's trying to get rid of this like huge like comically oversized cartoon bomb with like a big like wick on the top that's like and he's just like running around the town and everywhere he goes he can't like he can't throw it away because he'll like run and they're like some nuns in one direction so he can't throw the bomb over there <laughs> he like runs over there some ducks so he can't throw the bomb and he's like some days he just can't get rid of a bomb it's like I, it's, I, I love those Adam West Batman things they're really funny yeah but that is the ending of this movie some, sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb it's true it's very true so if you just fly it six miles off the coast of Gotham and a nuclear bomb explodes and everyone's a-okay. There's no fallout or anything. Just Maybe the, the wind was going out that day. So, I mean, someone's going to get fucked by that bomb going off. <laughs> it's Japan's problem now. It's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I just thought that was really funny. It's like, you've got this nuclear fusion device. So let's just fly it off in that direction. It's like, it's a nuclear bomb. It's like, don't you think it's going to be a bit of a bigger explosion and have some more ramifications than just that? Yeah. So you were talking about how the difficulties in, in finding just a story that works for Batman in, in a long live-action format. Mm-hmm. But you talked about Court of Owls would be a good idea. Yeah, I, I do think, think that would work. I do think it's Arkham... got It's got a nice structure to it that yeah. I think lends itself to a movie. I think something akin to Arkham Asylum, not that exact story they did, but something like that could work fantastically. Yeah. It would be really interesting to, to get Batman in sort of a confined space like that and do him that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think that... Although that could work better as a sequel. I don't know. It's sort of an interesting thing there. Yeah. But... Definitely, there's there's a lot of possibilities, and it's it is kind of hard to figure out, you know, again the cared like actors and do those discussions because Batman is so different. You know, we were talking about how other actors are more suited to their parts. Yeah, and and what I what hit me sort of when we were talking about that is that what makes it sort of automatic for Robert Downey Jr. to be Tony Stark is Iron Man is not different than Tony Stark. They're yeah. one of, there's not an alter ego. That's mm-hmm. just who he is. Yeah. Steve Rogers does not become Captain America when he puts on the thing. He always is Steve yeah, Rogers. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, even Thor. Thor's just Thor. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all these characters like that. And then, obviously, Batman and Spider-Man was the other one we're saying is difficult to do because they do change when they put the costume on to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And so you have, to, so find you have to find an actor that's able to do both of them well. And that's hard. And, and again, Michael Fassbender is the only one I can think. And I know... A, they wouldn't because he's too famous at this point, and he's Magneto, and you know, you, it would be weird to have Magneto as Batman well, yeah. at the same time in two different movies. But you know, um, I, I, I definitely hope Warner Brothers makes the most of this opportunity and doesn't just try to sort of cash in on the same style Christopher Nolan did. Because a, you're not going to be able to repeat it successfully without that creative team. I don't think that style, at least. Yeah. And B, why would you want to? These ones were great. Do do something new. Yeah, it's like just trying to sort of copy that style is just going to hurt you in the end. Oh, and that being said on our actors' discussion, I will say Kevin Conroy is as close as you could come to the definitive Batman. It's just he's not live action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just... I mean, he, 
I think it'd be interesting if they tried to do some sort of like CG or animated Batman movie too. Like Pixar's I, Batman. I mean, I, I I've always thought it was kind of odd that you would want to adapt comic books into live action like yeah. that. It's like I I'll, I always think that like an animated version is like animated version of comic book stuff is almost always better than live action stuff. Yeah. As much as I like the live action movies, and I wouldn't want them to even do it CGI though, because I think that would be wrong. But I think well, I mean, it, it depends. It depends on the style. Right. I mean, I, I think yeah. you, you could do it. Then it would work well, but yeah. So, you know, something I wanted to ask you: uh, I saw the uh, new Man of Steel trailer in front of Dark Knight Rises. Yes, I've seen it. Um, did you like how it uses Lord of the Rings? That's the music from when Gandalf <laughs> dies. That's what I said as soon as it came out. I was like, I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, I thought it was really weird. That's the music when Gandalf dies. It's like not only do I know it's Lord of the Rings music, I know exactly where it falls in the movie because <laughs> that's like the. The saddest scene yeah. in any movie where they come out and they're all crying and it's silent, but for the ah. yeah, I know. I thought I thought that was really strange because you know because you know it's not going to be music from the actual movie score because yeah. they haven't done that yet. But you use but the most like, iconic. Yeah, but it's yeah. like they usually use like a sort of generic trailer music. It's like they usually it's like sometimes it's taken from an actual movie score, but usually it's just like sort of like this generic trailer music and not. It would just be like like having a, a trailer to a movie using like the the music from Star Wars where Luke's looking at like the binary sunset. It's like what? Yeah, that's just really bizarre. Like they completely, I think, underestimated the iconic nature of the Howard Shore music. It's it's as big as Star Wars music. It's yeah, I mean, it's like I think most people would recognize who've seen the movies would recognize that like that's from a Lord of the Rings movie, even though yeah. they couldn't like pinpoint the moment. The moment. Yeah. But yeah. So. I will say this about that trailer. If I hadn't read the report from Comic-Con about the footage they showed, I would have been weirded out by it. I did, however, before the trailer came out, I read about the Comic-Con presentation where they showed five minutes of footage, not not just a mm-hmm. teaser, and people said it was fantastic. Like, everything you could want out of it and more. And just really kind of new, like, very different than the Richard Donner, but at the same time really true to Superman. Yeah. And that excites me. This trailer does, does nothing for me. I, I actually, I was really, because I... I was aware that Man of Steel had a presentation at Comic Con, but I hadn't really read up on what yeah. it was. And it's like, and I and I knew that there was going to be a Man of Steel trailer. And then when I saw the DC Comics logo, I knew it was going to be the Superman trailer. But then when it started playing, I was like, "This is actually really interesting." Like, I, actually, I thought it was like I yeah. thought it's like because they. I mean, it's a trailer. You don't know how indicative it's going to be of like what the actual movie's like. But to they, for them to go with that tone for the trailer, I thought was really really interesting because that's. That's more what I want to see from at least the Clark Kent side of a Superman movie. I, I want. Actually, I, it's like especially if they're going to do the origin stuff. That's the kind of tone I want it to be because I agree. that's really interesting. I agree one hundred percent. When I say the trailer did nothing for me, I guess I, I did like the take on. It. I like that the visuals are fantastic in that trailer. I do like sort of the tone they're going for. But what I sort of meant is, I guess I was coming to it from more of a business standpoint, where I think that appeals to sort of you and me, but the general audience who may not know there's going to be a new Superman movie, what do they think watching that? That's sort of my problem, is that... I, 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 th- I think most people would be intrigued by it, be okay. just because it is such a different style. Yeah. And then having the, the shot at the end where he's flying up, yeah. I that was awesome. Like yeah. that's Because that's what I want from like how you do Superman in a modern movie, is you would just have like the effects over the top, you, have, you just make him feel super powerful, and having that sort of like sonic boom and everything, it's like, that's... Cool. Right. That's how. That's how Superman moves. And that's it's like he's super dynamic and st- he's super. He's Superman. Yep. And having that contrasted with the very plain sort of stuff that you see Clark Kent doing, 
I think that was really an interesting direction. It's like it yeah. shows, like it show, it's like demonstrates to me in the trailer that whoever made the trailer understood sort of like the the dynamic between like his Clark having to choose whether or not he wants to live as Clark Kent or be Superman. Yeah, and, it's like, and I guess. In, I just thought that was really cool. What I've heard out of Comic-Con is that all the footage they showed, which they showed the footage from this teaser and then more stuff of him in costume, and they said it's really the same tone throughout. It's not... The, the teaser isn't lying. That's what they're, they showed, and that's what Zack Snyder talked about. And you were talking about Superman being super-powered. We have made fun on this podcast of the idea of Zack Snyder doing Superman, but I've always thought he would be the right director to sell the super-powered nature of yeah. it. Especially if you've seen Watchmen or 300. He's able to sell power fantastically. Mm-hmm. And now that I've seen this and seen sort of the, it's it's very different. Than yeah, I wouldn't have guessed style. that that was a trailer for a Zack Snyder movie. And it's like, so I'm really happy. It's like maybe Zack Snyder is a not the one note director that I assumed he was. Yeah. It's like I hope so because I mean I really like 300. It's yeah. like it's kind of a it's like a movie you can only really watch once. But yeah, it's like I I enjoyed it. So it's like, and I think combined with David Goyer doing the script and Christopher Nolan producing, I think. They, I think they. I'm excited for this movie. Yeah, now. it's like I, whereas I was really lukewarm about it before. I'm now excited for it. I still think the costume doesn't look that good, but why? Well, some reason people. Just... For some reason, people keep on just fucking with people's costumes, and yeah. I don't know why that keeps happening. Oh well, <laughs> like it. It's like it almost has the same problems as the new Spider-Man costume too, because it's like too, the, it's like it's too dark and there's just too much blue. Yeah. No, but I, I think there's a lot of potential. I think. And I will say, what impressed me most about the trailer is that they aren't trying even a bit to make this Richard Donner Superman. And yeah. it's good, because we had, in my opinion, I don't get the appeal over the Superman movies. There's one good one, and then there's three shitty ones and a mediocre one. And I think the mediocre one is Superman Returns. I don't like the Superman 2 original cut at all. But, um, except for, I guess, on the stuff with Terrence Stamp, he's cool. Yeah. But, anyway... Um, but all of them were just trying to repeat what Richard Donner did in the first one mm-hmm. to sort of to diminishing results. And then Superman Returns was a very well-made film, but it didn't have anything original to say. Yeah. And, that's <laughs> like, and it's like, how many fucking times can you do Lex Luthor and Kryptonite before right. you get tired of it? And, and so I just like that Zach... And, and they said at Comic-Con something that really got me excited, where they said, we are treating this as if no one has ever made a Superman movie. Yeah, it's like... The, exactly. This, this is the way you do it. And they're not even using the John Williams theme, and while I think that's going to be difficult to get used to at first, they've got Hans Zimmer doing the music, so they're safe in that department. Or they, it's like, if not, they can just use Lord of the Rings music. It worked really <laughs> well on that trailer. Yeah. That would be funny. Like, it's like you just you just have like Superman come on screen. It's like the Rohan theme, da 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 yeah. da da. Or, or when for Justice League, they can have like as the Justice League assembles, dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, and and I think Henry Cavill, I kind of liked the scruffy look yeah, of Clark. And Kent. it's like as soon as I saw him, I'm like, that is Clark Kent. Like that is what I don't know what they what they did because I mean I saw like I've seen pictures of him before. I don't think I've seen him in another movie. If I have, I don't remember yeah. it. It's like, and he looked like Clark Kent, but not that much. And then as soon as he's on screen, it's like that looks exactly like Clark Kent. Like it's like it's like Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark. It's like he looks exactly like Clark Kent. It's I agree. Insane. I agree. And what I like is that they they didn't try to cast him because he looked like Christopher Reeve or something. You yeah. Know? Which Christopher Reeve is great. I'm not disrespecting him, but the, one of the problems with Superman Returns is they tried to cast everybody based on how much they looked yeah, like yeah. the original actors. Yeah. That's a dumb way to cast. I'm yeah. sorry. Like, Brandon Ruth was okay, but there's there had to be better actors out there for Superman. Yeah. Like, the one thing that I, I just can't get over, and I don't know if it was because of the beard, but it's like the one, like, there's just like the one or two shots you see, it's like, the dude has Superman's jawline. How is that physically possible? Like, 
It's like the only other person I've seen that has like the comic book jawline is like John Hamm from Mad Men. It's like right. That's the only. It's like those are the two. Apparently, they're the two people on the planet. It's like because and there's you need Superman and Batman. Both have the jawline in the comic books. It's like now you've got the people to play them. John Hamm is Batman. Do it. Do it. Do it. John Hamm is Batman. I can't believe I forgot John Hamm. Yeah, is one of the like, best actors out there right now. He could be Batman. He's the right age. He can do it. Yeah. Even if not, at least have him be the guy in the suit. Yeah. Just for the chin. Because it's like, it's like, it's just like, he's, it's, I don't know how that's even possible. Yeah. Because that was, to me, that was always the biggest problem with Batman in live action, is that the, the cowl looks awful. Because nobody has that chin that can, like, sell yeah. the design of the cowl. Because it's like, they always look like they're choking inside of it in the movies. It's yeah. just like, it's like, get I John Hamm in there, man. Right. I think they made, uh, probably the, the Nolan movies did a, something more with the costume to like, accept for that. But, yeah. but yeah, no, you're right. And, and the thing about John Hamm is we know he's a great actor. Yeah. And have you watched Mad Men? I, I haven't seen a lot of it. I've, okay. I, I'm going to get through it someday. I'm probably going to okay. wait till it's done airing and then yeah. watch, like, all of it. It's probably a good idea. No. Um, now we're on a Mad Men tangent. We're not starting a tangent. Anyway, so is there any other movie-related stuff we want to talk about before this is over? Did you, I, Both of the times I saw Dark Knight, because it was on IMAX and this, the movie is too, it was too long to show trailers, so I saw no trailers. What else did they show with it? Was there anything new? Uh, I, don't, I remember seeing The Hobbit. I, I saw The Hobbit trailer right before the Amanda Steel trailer, so it's like Hobbit, then like the Lord of the Rings music. is <laughs> so just weird. Like really, just like really weird. But is this a new Hobbit trailer? Or is it just uh, No, it was, it was the okay. same one. That's fine. They can, as far as I'm concerned, they can keep that trailer there until the movie comes out. Yeah, it's so good. It's a really awesome trailer. Yeah, I can't remember if there was, there definitely wasn't, oh, oh, actually, no, I remember one, I saw one trailer, I don't even remember the name of the movie, it was a Tom Cruise movie, I, I've never, I've never Jack heard Reacher? about it. Yeah, that, is like, the trailer started, and like, for a second, I was like, is this a trailer for a Punisher movie? Have you seen the trailer for the for that movie? No, I haven't. Okay, because the trailer fucking starts, and you've got this guy, he's like in a hospital, and then it starts. he starts doing voiceover, and he's like, he was a, or he's a cop, or at least he used to be. He doesn't care too much for due process of law. All he cares about is his own justice. He knows who I am, and he's coming to find me. I'm like, is this a Punisher movie? It's like, that is, that's the setup for a fucking fifth Punisher. It's like, he was a cop, now he's not because his family got killed. He doesn't care about due process, he takes the law into his own hands, and now he's coming for the dude who killed his family. It's like, that's the fucking Punisher. It's like, Do you think Tom Cruise would make a good Punisher? No, not no. necessarily, but I just thought, I was like, I was like, are they making another pun? I haven't seen any of the Punisher movies that they did make, but I was like... This is, that was, I was like, for a second, I was like, are they really making another Punisher movie? And then they have, like, this sports car come on screen with, like, Tom Cruise driving it. I'm like, no, I really hope it's not a Punisher movie. Yeah. It's like, I'm a really like, short Punisher. Yeah. It was just, it's just so fucking weird. It's like, have you, um, now we're going on total tangents, but as long yeah. as we're talking about upcoming movies, have you seen the trailer for the Judge Dread movie that's coming out? Uh, no, I haven't seen the trailer. Okay. No. Go home and watch it. It looks awesome, and I guess they screened it at Comic-Con, and it was, like, fantastically received. It looks amazing. And I, I never thought I would say that, but, like, <laughs> this is, like, I just kind of assumed it was one of those empty cash grab reboots that people have been doing, like... It's like, I don't know but, why that would, because it's not like Judge Dredd's not, like, a, a big huge, famous character. It's not but, a huge property. At least not over here. I'm pretty sure it's a British comic book. Right. But I, it looks, I guess it's really true to the comics, and people who love the comics are, like, really happy about that. But it's like it's it's R-rated, super violent, and just the trailer sells that tone so well. And Carl Urban from Star Trek, who was um, McCoy, McCoy is 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 Dread, and you can't even recognize him because I guess he keeps the helmet on the whole movie. 
And um, as long as we were sort of talking about action movies and stuff, I just remembered that. And uh, I watched it online the other day after I heard about the Comic-Con preview. So that's well, a total tangent. Yeah, but, I'll say, I know almost nothing about... I don't, I'm pretty sure the comic that he's from isn't even called, like, Judge Dredd. Like, I, I, don't, I, I know almost nothing about it. But Well, all I know is that the Sylvester Stallone movie has little or nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. the comics. Uh, Sylvester Stallone movie's not that good. Yeah. But I, I mean, one thing that I'm really excited about that I that came out of Comic-Con with movies was uh, they showed, like, a sort of, like, proof-of-concept footage for the Godzilla movie. Oh, yeah! That sounds it's like, awesome! It's like, I wish that they would release that, like, the video online so I could see it, but it's like... I want to uh, see the 12 minutes of Hobbit footage they showed. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I, I want an, I don't want a, I want a really good Godzilla movie. Yeah, <laughs> like that's and I guess the design was really close to the Japanese design. Yeah, that's that's what I heard too. And it's I think it's Gareth Evans who directed the Raid. Have you seen the Raid? No. When it comes out on DVD, watch the Raid. It is it has no story and no like characterization at all. Does it, does it have just, a giant lizard destroying Tokyo? No, but it's no. some of the best action you'll ever see. It's like it's like the most brutal movie, and it's really really fun. But yeah, they use this like new kind of kung fu martial arts that's really interesting. But yeah, and it's the stack that guy's uh, doing this Godzilla thing, I guess. So it sounds really interesting. Yeah. yeah. We, we got off on... on was the, was this a Dark Knight Rises podcast at one I, point? I, I think so. We should hey. do a Godzilla podcast. I know. Well, anyway, uh, you want to stop? Uh, yeah, we've, we've been going for quite a while. We'll, okay. We keep so, on going and wait until we get to the movie's running time and then stop there. We still have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, no, We're 25 movie. But I, I will say, we people have talked about the length. I think the length for Dark Knight Rises was justified. I it didn't feel long. Yeah, I mean, like, this like I still I have some problems with the pacing, in particular the beginning, where I, I did feel it's slow and plotting, and it was kind of dull. And it picked up later after like Batman became Batman and started fighting Bane and stuff. It's like I I, I think I think I, if I were to do the movie, it's like they I still think they tackled a bit too much, and the movie did feel a little bloated to me. But it's like. But, Okay, it, it went by really fast to me, though. That's all I'll say, is it did not feel long to me. Dark Knight actually feels longer to me, and that's not Yeah, Dark Knight, thing, Dark Knight but... feels... I mean, that's my biggest problem with Dark Knight, is I don't know what it is with the pacing of that movie. I'm the only person I know that has this problem. But I feel like an hour to an hour and a half into that movie that the movie should be over. And then it like, keeps on going for like another hour, and then like this movie should be over. Okay. Well, anyway, um, that's, that's our discussion of The Dark Knight Rises and other random things. Yes. Uh, if, you'd like, strikes again. if you'd like to read more about the movie, you can read... Uh, I have a big four-part essay up on We Got This Covered. It's called Imagine the Fire, Analyzing the Dark Knight Rises. And uh, I think it's one of the better movie pieces I've ever written. So there's, there's If you tons, do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. You did. There's a ton of stuff to read there, so go ahead and, and read it. It's 9,000 words long. Or go see the movie. Yeah, or go see the movie if you haven't. Um, or if you want to see it again, go ahead. It's like, ho- hopefully, if you saw the movie, if you've gotten to this point in the podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, there's... You're, it's all ruined for you, so... Maybe they just really listened to it because they really wanted to hear us talk about the Man of Steel trailer. I know, that's... Yep, yep.